You are listening to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast for The November Man. <coughs> My name is Tom Chick, and to discuss The November Man with you, the listener, I have recruited, I've pressed into service, enlisted, Christian Molsomsky. Uh, I think we all know where this is going. I'd prefer to be referred to as Tits. <laughs> and with our November Man tagline, Kelly Wand. Uh, they call it the November Man because it's aw dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with the music. <laughs> Uh, let's see. So, um, November Man. Oh, before we talk about November Man, uh, Kelly Wan, we've been doing a, a new feature lately. Is this feature, has it fallen by the wayside, or are we going to keep going with this? Which one? Oh, we only, the only new feature I know of is the IMDb synopsis of the week. Do you have I something know. for us? Yeah, you ready? Yes. Oh, boy, am I ready. Yeah. Okay, you have to guess the movie. That's okay. the hardest part of it. Okay, is it is this in the top 5,000? Do we know? Yeah. Okay. Good. So I try to stick to those. Sure. You want you want to do quality movies. I understand. Right. In fact, my new plan is to do all five thousand. <laughs> all right. Good. And that'll be a historic podcast. Like sure. people. All right. Now what are we going to do? Sure. Let's go. Well, we're going to do the other. Well, you know they keep making movies. I don't know if you know that. Yeah. So the five thousand will be constantly changing. I guess. <laughs> like Guardians of the Galaxy is probably in it now, but it wasn't in it back in March. Guardians of the Galaxy, by the way, just beat Captain America: Winter Soldier as the top earner this year. Ha <laughs> ha. DM. That's right. Yeah, the article I read that news in it. the The topic sentence was, "Boy, what a soft summer it's been." Although I thought about it, it kind of it really has been the worst. But like, remember, there's two summers from now is going to be the really good one. Why? What's two summer? summers from now? Which is the one with Jurassic World and Star Wars stuff? Oh, I know the the answer to that, Kelly Wand, is who cares? <laughs> Tom, winner. <laughs> Damn. I know, tough room, right? It's uh, 2017, which isn't even two. It's three summers from now, so what the heck? Yeah, I might have been trying to keep track of that rule for a year, so I mean, it might mean 2015 even. All right. Are you ready for the IMDb thing? You bet. Hit us. Henry Spencer tries to survive his industrial environment. <laughs> His angry girlfriend and the unbearable screams of his newly born mutant child. <laughs> wow, uh, it, it, it's not, it's alive, is it? Ah, you suck. What? Did I get it? No. Oh. Is it? Splice? You suck doesn't mean you win. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think it say? Splice. I said splice. <sighs> really, really, guys. Henry, Henry Spencer with a, with a mutant child. Is this a Frank Henlenhotter movie? Dude, did I even say his name right? I don't know who that is. Or it's the basket that. case guy. Oh. This was the inspiration for Basket Case, I would assume. Or a grandpa what? movie? Is it like some oh, wait, what? a race a racer head? Yeah. Oh. His name is Henry Spencer. Oh good lord. I, never... I think the trick part was he tries to survive the, to me the weird part of it's the verb survive. He tries to survive his industrial environment. Starts off with that. Right. Environment It, it is a ra- it, it really is a racer head then. Yeah. yeah. All right. I hate the dingus. I don't hate hate, but like, Tom, you suck for letting dingus get a racer. I don't like a racer head. I don't like. Uh, Why not? What are you talking about? Because, um, because David Lynch, we have a, we kind of have a short fuse with him. Well, David Lynch has done some great stuff, but I don't count a racer head among them. 
What? Come on, race rules. We turn nope, I don't. I do not care for eraser heads. Uh, consider good. I, I count Twin Peaks season one among them, and that's about it. Well, Dingus, that's TV. We talk about movies on this podcast. Yeah, for the most part. Well, the first season of yes. Twin Peaks is a is a great movie, as far as I'm concerned. I don't know what else of David Lynch that I care for. You don't like Blue Velvet? You don't like... Uh, I don't, like, uh, I don't Lost like Highway. Lost Highway. Lost like Highway. Lost Highway. Mulholland Falls, I like. Of course, everybody loves, everybody loves A Straight Story. Yeah. No. I, I couldn't so care for that? any of those titles. Nobody likes The Straight Name one what? David like Lynch story. movie. That, name one good David Lynch movie. I mean, besides... All right, Dune, here we go. Elephant Man, you guys don't like? Which one? What? Elephant Man. I could maybe go with an elephant man. I could maybe be with Kelly Wand on that one, Dingus. Because come on, it's like a great John Hurt performance. Um, come on, Elephant Man, right, Dingus? We can go with that. Eighteen nineties, um, I, you know, period piece. Maybe from the first time I saw it, but I just think that whole elephant raping, trampling thing is unforgivable. I just think that <laughs> elephant man is. I, what, name one that- David Lynch movie that you really, really think is a classic movie. Racerhead. Animal Holland Falls is good. Yes. Name it's, one David Lynch movie that's better than the first season of Twin Peaks. I've never seen that because it's TV, and I don't waste my time with that silliness. Oh, boom. Wait. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you, I can tell you, Dingus. Firewalk with me, the movie. Uh, that's the one where I kind of broke Watch up Watch that, shush. The movie of the TV show. Yep. Yeah, that was unfortunate. Yeah. It's, I, it's have, cool. what, One David Lynch movie that's better than the first season of Twin Peaks. You're, you're asking me to name Thanks something you have any frame of reference for, and see what see what happens. Kelly Wand has seen them both, and see what you're going to get from him. But I can't I don't like the date part of Racerhead where he goes to his chick's house, and the grandma was doing the stuff with the salad. Racerhead is a student is a student movie at best. I mean, come on. Uh, it's the greatest student movie, with the possible exception of David Cronenberg's Crimes of the Future, which is also it, really good. I, I would put yeah, as, far as, praise. Yeah, as far as student movies go, I would put Racerhead up against Pi easily. Uh, Racerhead rules. What are you talking about? This is a ridiculous conversation. The right? listeners are all thinking Kelly Wand is wrong. That's what every it's nothing through, else. That's through a person. That's what every single person listening to this podcast right now is thinking: is what's with Kelly Wand defending Eraserhead? It, Racer doesn't need me to defend it. <laughs> I, I, I imagine there are a lot of people it's who would. I imagine there are a lot of people who do have just because of the audacity of it at the time, who do have a very soft spot for uh, Blue Velvet. I'm not, I'm not really among them, but I can see people totally defending that, though. Uh, I, think you're right. I, think, I think you're absolutely right, Tom. I think a lot of people actually would, would and could possibly defend Blue Velvet as a classic. Uh, but what me watching it, for, for me, watching Blue Velvet was a traumatic experience. So, I, so I, you know. Wait, that's good, too, though. It's supposed to be, I think. Yeah, means I, you, it made a pinch to nerve. That means it worked as efficient craftsmanship. Right? I didn't want it to pinch that particular nerve. I, what I, why doesn't uh, Marvel give one of their properties to David Lynch? That's you know what? Remember, he was going to do Return of the Jedi, but then um, he didn't because he salad him running in and said, "Let me, let me." Yeah, but then it's like so you go, "Oh, if Return of the Jedi had been directed by David Lynch, it would have been really interesting." But he made Dune like. The next year, so it probably would look like that. Hmm. That's what I mean. That's my theory. Like we have David Lynch's Return of the Jedi. It's got <laughs> Ken McMillan in it because it's the same desert. Neither of them could light a desert. It's weird. So much light there. What are you going to do? How are you going to light a desert if you're not David? Know, David Lean? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Why did David Lean make Dune? Just asking. <laughs> he did. Oh wait, what? 
What? Ah, see? <sighs> I need to take a nap. Well, before you take a nap, Kelly Wan, let's talk what? about the November man. Dingus, tell us a little bit about what we saw this week without giving away any spoilers from it. Uh, by the way, I meant to watch the trailer for this and forgot. Um, oh, yeah, I watched Midnight in Paris finally, too. Okay. Did you have anything that do you want to tell us about it or? Uh, cause, no, it's good. Okay. I just wanted Dingus. Yeah, you were the because I mean that's important to know because you were the last guy who hadn't seen it. Yeah, I don't know why. I just it kept slipping through the cracks. All right, now everybody in the world has seen Midnight in Paris. Good, good to know we've we've finally taken care of that. Um, uh, up next, me and Dingus will see Goonies, and then everybody in the world will have seen that. <laughs> Did you see As Inhaled So Belowed, Tom? The I did not see the found footage movie from the director of uh, Quarantine. The first one? The remake? <laughs> the, the first remake, remake of... Yeah. He did the remake of Wreck. It's called Quarantine. Uh, I don't know if he did Quarantine 2, which is actually better than the first Quarantine. Uh, but no, I did not I did not see it. I have no desire to see it because I've seen The Descent. So there you go. Is the second one the one with that, the plane airport? Yeah, yeah it's there. It's there. Oh, that one's good. No, I know. That's what I'm saying, is that Quarantine 2 is better than Quarantine. You just want it to be set in the air of the whole movie. Well, unfortunately, the, the plane does land. That's that's a bummer. In yeah, and then they're in tunnels and shit. But uh, let's talk November, All right, man. sorry. Yeah, so uh, Dingus, without spoiling it, because maybe some folks listening to the podcast they haven't seen it yet, don't spoil it and just tell us a little bit about what we saw this week. All right, this week we saw The November Man. Mm-hmm. A 2014 <laughs> American action crime thriller spy movie about how easy it would be to get rid of Putin if we lived in a television series. It was directed by Roger Donaldson and written by Michael Finch and Carl Gajdusek. Boo. Did you just say boo? Bad writing. Sorry. Continue. I can't believe you would say that about him, Kelly Wand. I cannot believe Which that. One? Which one? About Richard Gajdusek. Oh, I met the other guy. He's the Bruckheimer of the bunch. All right. He's the Cyclops to the other guys. Um, <clears throat> this marble. Uh, so anyway, uh, <laughs> it, uh, I'm sorry, not Richard, but Carl got you sick. Based oh. on the book, there are no spies by Bill Granger. It stars Pierce Brosnan, Medea hmm. Muslajevic. Katerina Scorsone, and Amelia Tershemik. Wait, uh, say, uh, I'm sorry, what? Karenko. How you say it? Karenko? Karenko. Karenko? Karenko. Just call her Olga. Yeah, just call her Olga. How, how many famous Olgas are there, Kelly Wand? People will know who you're talking about. Uh, Catherine the Great, it's her first name. Three. How many are making movies nowadays? I guess I should have narrowed it down. Good point. It's the same movie every time, too. <laughs> Mostly. Hitman? Wasn't that the other one? Uh, the, the, the name I'm most proud of is uh, is uh, Amila uh, Terjemic. Uh, so anyway, the November Man is rated R. Oh, yeah. For strong violence, including a sexual assault. <laughs> Wait. Okay. Yeah, that's in there. Strong violence, including a sexual assault, comma, language, sexuality slash nudity, and brief drug use. 
Uh, November Man opened at number six. Ugh. Oh, ouch. Damn. So, so, fell, uh, fell a little bit short of eight million. It was beaten by Guardians of the Galaxy, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, If I Stay, As Above, So Below, and Let's Be Cops. Hmm. Um, <laughs> on Metacritic, which is the average rating from various reviews, the November Man is at 38. Ugh. On Rotten Tomatoes, the percentage of reviews for the November Man that are positive are 37%. Uh, so rock solid 37. 37, ouch. Kelly yeah. uh, Wand, what I would like you to do is, in your own words, basically recount the events of the November Man in a synopsis. Maybe something that one might call a November Mopsis. <laughs> That's what it probably should be called. Oh, what is it called instead? What did you go with? Uh, the Sweet November Nopsis. Wow. It's a little creative license you've taken, but I like it yeah. so far. I like it too. It's like he's added value to this. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah but you're, you're usually way off, Tom, and actually that was a really good guess. Well, so. What I would say he's done is he's varied the procedure. Mm. The protocol. Well, that's his right. He has the right to vary the procedure at any point during this, Tom. So, uh, Kelly Wand, uh, I would like you to then proceed with the Sweet Movember Opsis. Um, <laughs> Wait, say it again? I can't. I've only got one of those in me. That's <laughs> not what I heard. Wait. Okay. Kelly Wand, do you have a problem with the call? <laughs> Wait, when's that happen? What number? What number is this Opsis? 42, Kelly Wand, 42. <laughs> do you have a problem with the call, Kelly? Oh, that one. See, it's forty-two. There's so many good lines. I had to, I had to remember afterwards. And we just said them all. Writing this. Kelly, one. Do you promise you'll dis- disappoint us? Uh. Yes. Wait, I'm gonna remember a line. Just a minute. Yeah, what do you got for us? Dingus, you go with him. <laughs> All right. I'm Jack. Uh, Seatbelt. Sure. Wall. You're Jack. I have a small business now. <laughs> His name was Jones. Oh, Kelly Wong got a line from oh, the Oh, Kelly got a small business yeah. line. Uh. <laughs> All right. Uh, male, old. Cribbing a little from the you office. Have skills. <laughs> All right. So the uh, whatever Six you call agents you think is going to do it? <laughs> what about that one? That one's out in the office, so it counts. Yeah. Kelly Wand, are you mad because you never had a daddy? <laughs> what's the... Wait, what's he say when he cuts the leg? What do you do? Does he go, <laughs> or is it, what's the call? What that's, you do? That's, what you do? That is a just spot-on Pierce Brosnan. That's good. Uh, wait, I have a real one coming. For All right, me. good. I'm just Kelly? priming myself. Kelly, you're blown. <laughs> that, all right, you know what? I should just do this. Before you guys say it all, I wrote the manual on what you're doing. Remember when he says that? Is that Lawrence Binder's character? (laughs) (laughs) That's that guy's name? (laughs) Thing, motherfucker. Awesome. Very good, Tom. We can do this all night without you. You know, if you want to jump in, we'd love to hear a synopsis, though, but we're, we're fine. We're fine here. <laughs> the sweet November Nopsis. 
Some words are all the beginning of the movie. The time, March, ironically. Pierce Brosnan's all. All right, Agent Lutz, quit having sex with that barista. Rule number one, never have sex or kids, especially with Russian ones. You always forget to take the key out of the safe after photographing its contents. Lutz is all. Safes have keys? <laughs> hey, we'll get to rule number six when I say you've mastered the first five. And today's your evaluation, don't forget. Uh, what's our mission again? Uh, you run through a crowd while I snipe from a roof, I guess. Just like that Solvang op in 08. Rule number 10. Copy that. One roof later. Hey, Pierce, we better abort the mission. There was this warning label on my box of sniper bullets about nine-year-olds. Rule number 84. Never abort anything mission related. Uh, one with a balloon at 12 o'clock. Take aim. <laughs> Take him. Ow. Mr. Brosnan? Uh, sorry, I guess I shot both you and a kid. <laughs> Take that, that Skyfall opening. So did I pass? Uh, for what it's worth, when I hit him, I was aiming at you and vice versa. Hang on, i got to console the mom for a sec. Hey, baby, you see that fucking shot I just took? <laughs> hey, Mr. Brosnan, <laughs> I didn't shit my pants this time. I think these are yours, 30 years later. Been a long time, P.S., the agency needs you. Look at all these pictures of bullet wounds. Just come back for one mission off the books. No pay. Don't confirm anything I'm about to say with anybody. Just like the old days. All we need is you to drive your ex-tits to the airport. It's like Argo. I don't know, JC. I have a nice, quiet life now. Me own small business, cup of joel. Plus, you know my rule number six. If you ever come back for one last spy movie, it should be better than Diamonds of Forever. Come on! All right. Pierce Brosnan sits in a car outside the Kremlin, honking his horn to the James Bond theme till his lady friend runs out, chased by a bunch of tanks that say KGB on him. He's all, let me guess, key in the safe again? It's good to see you too! The music's all, these two, they drive around. She's all, was not expecting you. Does Cloud have machine guns or laser? No, but as the coolest feature of all, me driving it. He lays into the horn for a couple minutes, but drives at the normal speed limit. His car phone rings to the James Bond theme. Rule number 11. <laughs> Rule number 11. Brosnan here. Hey, JC. Yeah, she's here. No, I haven't seen her tits yet. But I'm optimistic she's really into the car. I'm what? Blown? Well, not yet. Wait, what? Okay, hang on. Jay-Z says Hi. Hello. She says hi back. Sorry, what? Okay, hang on. Jay-Z says hi again. He hangs up. He's all, guess you and I had a kid together I took to a park once. Wonder who's raising her. Oh, well. Why the fuck we're doing this again? If you just needed a ride, there's this thing called cabs. She's all, because of rule number 68. Oh, always that bulletproof windshields? Not following you. Hey, is blown a spy term by the... She gets shot. As she chokes on her blood, she's all, Find Hilda Kurjlenko! Hang on, can't find my pen. Never mind, I'll just use your blood. What was the first part? Find? Denise? Damn. Rule number 38, I will avenge you. Unless it's like somebody I flunked one time. Then I'll take it out on his neighbor. Let's see rule number 361 for more details. Pierce Brosnan runs around town blowing up cars till he finds one with Kellen Lutz in it. 
I like the ones where I don't have to change anything. <laughs> they stare at each other, guns drawn, till Kellen Lutz raises his cell phone and punches some numbers. On the 18th reign, Brosnan picks it up. Brosnan. Kellen Lutz is all, sorry, bro, I was aiming for you. They both walk away. <laughs> Kellen Lutz's boss is all, God damn it, Lutz, just once can't you shoot a dude. Look, sir, he did exactly what I would have done if I saw me. Ignored me and lost interest after two seconds of conversation. <laughs> Meanwhile, <laughs> look, I record what I see in the on the screen, Dingus. All right, stop trying to understand it. Meanwhile, Hilda Kurilenko is meeting a Nebish for lunch at Olive Garden. He's all, hi, I'm a New York Times reporter. I should probably be covering that huge story involving cop crashes and 20 dead CIA guys that happened yesterday. But I was looking at pictures of Russian hookers and thought maybe you could talk me up since you're like the caseworker. Or... Wait, is this New York? Her phone rings. She's all, hello, you have reached uh, Hilda Curiel-Luciliano. This is me speaking. Hi, this is Pierce Brosnan. The waitress grinding pepper on your buffalo slide is there as a trained killer. Not sure why her colleagues in Boston don't care at this restaurant. But anyway, don't scream or react in any way. Since she's very well trained. It'll make a panic. <laughs> why call me when she's leaning over me right now? That seems bad timing. Rule number 84, call people only at the exact moment it'll lead to a chase. Now, rule number 85, do everything I say. We need to allay our suspicions. Rule number 91, laugh like I just said something hilarious. Assassin waitress, Pierce Brosnan on phone, says to tell you something hilarious. <laughs> Jesus. Well, you're still better than Kellen. All right, now go, huh, like I just said something interesting. I do not think I could do that convincingly. Hang on, she pulling out gun. Yes, I can see that. I'm actually standing right behind you. <laughs> You're in restaurant? Why not you just kill her? <laughs> damn, I had us on speaker. God damn it. Uh, damn it, I had us on speakerphone. Run! <laughs> that happens in the movie. Another bunch of stuff on a street happens. <laughs> Yet another bunch. Yet another street. After stopping by a strip club to ask a fat, oily Russian guy if a building fell down, eventually Pierce Brosnan finds the perfect place to lay low, a place with an alarm system that people are living in across the street from Kellen Lutz. She's all, so what is planned now? Turn tables on killers, follow up with reporter, figure out who Mole is, have sex? All the above. Just kidding, none of the above. Rule number 863, always put everything on hold for petty revenge. Look, honey, there's a war on if you count terrorism. My job is just to ruin your lunch with a reporter. But I can't let you interfere with my master plan. Here's a couple bucks to get yourself started. Good luck. She's all, thank you. Maybe I go find Daniel Craig now and trade up. <laughs> Pierce Brosnan's master plan turns out to be waiting till Billy has sex with his neighbor, then mutilate her leg. <laughs> Quid pro quo, bitches. <laughs> Very tense scene. Meanwhile, in a shipping container, we'll get back to that scene. There's more detail coming. <laughs> uh, 
I started missing it. Meanwhile, in a shipping container, Jay-Z is under arrest for excessive convolutions. The brunette female agent comes in. Jay-Z's all, show me your tits. She's all, um, what? Look, baby doll, I wrote the book on interrogations. It's your going from it. Chapter 12 is called Show Me Your Tits. <laughs> Nothing makes a terrorist break faster than seeing tits. Even Cheney admitted it's torture. She's all, um, I didn't realize till this scene that you're an author. Uh, I think I came in to ask you if a building got blown up. The only thing getting blown around here is your tits. She gets mad and threatens to, quote, vary the protocol, but doesn't. Various people all over town are going all, by the way, Vladimir Putin's in town for an energy conference. Wait, in Belgrade? Uh. Kellen Lutz wakes up to find the girl he had sex with missing and her phone ringing. He's all, uh, Kellen speaking. Hello? I'm about to text you. Click. Five minutes later. Jesus, finally. Dear Kellen, sorry new phone. Charger, come into Cochin to watch me dick around with a knife for a few minutes. Kellen Lutz goes to the kitchen. He and Pierce Brosnan say things. Meanwhile, Hilda Kalvrenko goes to the strip club and says to the famous Russian assassin she has no reason to trust, Pierce Brosnan has huge favor to ask of you. He needs press-on nails, wig, and sexy dress. But do not call him and check story. She goes to a hotel, gets in an elevator, takes out her cell phone, and calls Pierce Brosnan. She's all, Pierce Brosnan, it's me, uh, Hilda Karenkyo. I just realized I have had motive to kill Boris Putin since birth. I'm about to do it at building. I'm not sure why I'm calling. Goodbye. Yeah, I know why you call it. So I can come save you because you lose your nerves since you brought a knife instead of a shovel. Just wish you'd done a bit sooner. I'm all the way across town. She'd already hung up, but he says that. Luckily, she loses her nerves slowly enough for him to get there and shoot everybody without raising an alarm. The Russian embassy. He raises a photograph to Putin and goes, All right, Ivan, which of the three men in this photo is the villain? By the way, that's me on the left there eating the hot dog. So that narrows it down a little. <laughs> right, just for saying that, we're going to play a little game that I believe was originated in your country. No, no, please, I tell you everything, anything but curling. <laughs> Three empty bullet chambers later. Look, this taking forever, I tell you everything. A villain is Jay-Z. Also, in actual Russian roulette, we both take turns. You are playing... <laughs> <laughs> Americans do not roll, care about rules. <laughs> Kurilenko's all. Yes, Baldwin and photo evil. You could have just asked me before. To leave the building, Hilda Kurenko decides she needs a total disguise, so she lets her hair down. Luckily, no one looks twice at her. Spenceful. Meanwhile, back at the White House, the other boss all. Hey, let's here's Brosnan's review of what a dipshit he thinks you are. That helps. Don't worry, we ignored him. You get mailed a copy of this, by the way. I guess you didn't read it. <laughs> Lutz goes home to his laptop and opens the file. It's a Xerox that says fail on it in big letters and is signed Pierce Brosnan, sniper reviewer number 45766. Instead of reading the whole thing, Lutz's his eyes focus on certain blocks of text. Candidate shot kid too loud. Thought he knew rule number six prematurely. Even neighbor's cat can pick his locks. 
more like stupid agent, annoying haircut, bullet, can't even read this entire document, show up he doesn't find out about my daughter, and look, Skyfall had plots in it too, okay? Ones you could drive a train through. Let's finds a video of Pierce Brosnan at a park holding a kid's hand and shows Jay-Z, who's been promoted for some reason from shipping container occupant. Pierce Brosnan begs Hilda Kienko to meet him at a train station so he can have just one more car chase now that his daughter's kidnapped. Olga, the chick who just pulled a knife on Putin at the embassy and has been spotted at 38 crime scenes over the week, makes it to the airport no problem. There she finds a close-up of a word processing screen that emails autobiographies co-authored by murdered journalists. Meanwhile, Pierce Brosnan sits on a bench with Jay-Z and listens to exposition. Meanwhile, in the middle of a huge crowd at the airport, Hilda Galenko whacks the chick assassin in the face with a shovel, then stands over with a gun, but ultimately decides she'll need it for the metal detectors. The crowd yawns and steps over the body. Hilda goes back to the internet kiosk, where a random guy is standing by it, staring at her screen with disinterest. She puts her gun away and goes, Excuse me, I had to do that thing with shovel you just saw through a window. Go away now. He's all, Okay. Some airport security guards come over and arrest him. She finishes the article and sends it to herself. For some reason, Jay-Z is keeping Pierce Brosnan's kidnapped daughter somewhere far away. Now he's all, All right, I guess I could just have my boys bring daughter here, but fuck it. Let's, you and Gary go get her. Gary, here's my best man. The agent's all, I will let you down, sir. He opens Siri and goes, Time to plan the best bachelor party ever. Jay-Z's all, no, it's not, I'm at best, never mind. To be honest, after 10 hours in the shipping container with Edna, I'm a little titted out, but I could go for some normal clams. Had kind of a small lunch. Once in the car, Lutz puts a game token in the other guy's seatbelt slot. (laughs) Uh, Sniper. It starts driving super fast. The dude's all, holy shit, there's a coin in my seatbelt thing. Fuck! My belt won't fit! This coin's in the way. Uh, uh, would you have the training manual? Uh, should I use my fingers and just take it out? Is it for the meter? <laughs> Let's us all. Wall. The other dude's all, what? Why would you say that if you're trying to trick? <laughs> Let's crashes the car and the dude goes through the windshield and over a cliff. I turn to Coster and go, I think he's dead. Coster's all, no, Tom's right. He points as there's a cutaway shot of a police car on a UFO. Newspapers all, shovel designers and CIA corruption declared saviors of the city. Pierce Brosnan buys a houseboat and tells the ocean, we did it. As Kolga Kalenkyo, the daughter, Kellen Letts, the neighbor, and the guy who went through the windshield all wave at the receding sails as Pierce Brosnan honks the boat horn to the James Bond theme. Meanwhile, in Russia, Putin suddenly gets a brain tumor and drowns. The end. Thanks so much, Gilly. Holiday-sized opsis after the last couple... Tinies. Well, the, the real accomplishment here, Kelly One, is making me glad that I saw November Man. Yeah, seriously. Seriously. Yeah. Talk about the wrong movie to see right after Most Wanted, man. But Jesus, how, how early in this movie do you start feeling like, I can't wait to hear Kelly talk about this movie? <laughs> I mean, uh, even I was doing that, yeah. <laughs> well, no, even, uh, I think all, all of us were doing that. <laughs> 
Well, how fuck? They fuck Aki. Yeah. How early do you realize it's going to be so awful? I mean, the first... It gets worse. It what? starts out mediocre, and then... It gets, somewhere it gets worse. On. That's so great. Before you even tell how you feel about it, you say the words, it gets worse. That's so Yeah, because I remember thinking halfway there, I go, this is starting to get bad, but it may be the twists, like, oh, the neighbor's cat, like, well, uh, something's going to... Like, where's at least one twist? And then it's like... It's like... Uh, the event horizon of spy movies, where it's like the things you're thinking are smarter than what's <laughs> going to happen. No, but see, event horizon has an intriguing windup. This movie starts, it right. establishes yes. Pierce Brosnan's character by having him rip off a line from Gordon Gecko in Wall Street. That's his first line. If you want a friend, get a dog. And one of his early, that's like his early. Which turned out to be bullshit, too, like everything he says. Uh, and then he insults, like, doesn't he at some point flip somebody off and say, sit on this and twist? Yep. Like, what Big. the heck kind of dialogue is that for our know. international super spy? It's supposed to it's supposed to be a placeholder for a relationship. Hey, let, you know, fix my thing, fix my micro my microphone. Uh, yeah, sit on this and twist. I mean, come on. He's the worst spy in any spy movie I've ever seen, including MacGruber. Oh, well, MacGruber, yeah, beats this. He has down. Yeah, even as a spy. Not even the, as a movie. <laughs> the thing about this movie is, uh, I would challenge both of you. Is there anything that that happens in, or is done in this movie that isn't done better in any other movie? I mean, you can look at everything that this movie does and think of another movie that does it better. And it made me long for Three Days to Kill. I mean, good lord. Anything that happens in this movie that isn't done better in another movie. Uh, you know what? Dingus is throwing down a gauntlet, Kelly Wan. Let's see what we can come up with. Um, how I'm a blank. Well, no, come on. Oh, here we go. No, no, I got something. Uh, an urban drone uh, chase scene. Is <laughs> it better in this than in any other movie? Well, what's another? Like, you see drones. Those. Oh, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Like, it, I thought I kind of thought that was cool. The drone. No, it's kind of cool, but but I think it's kind of diffused by the fact that. They they catch it like it's an air mattress and put it back in their van. I mean, that's how that's how it would be deployed. I mean, it would be something yeah. like that. Yeah, um, all of a sudden. But no, no. What's another movie where there's cool like like hands-on drone technology where they show them de- using it and deploying it, following well, a car? I don't know. Maybe there is one. Neither none of the characters use the drone for anything though. It's just could be. Dinkus has given us a challenge. I'm sure we could think of something. What do you got, Kelly Wand? Mm. Something that that hasn't been done better in another movie. Something that hasn't been done in a... Oh, oh, I got another one. Okay, well, Kelly Wan, thanks. Um, I really did like her snapping off her fingernails. Like when she oh, was, yeah, uh, I, did, I did like that. That, that was, was really cool, and if, if you know, seeing a woman, you know, <laughs> where the woman whips off her wig, but seeing her kind of disgusted with those stupid fingernails and snapping them off, I liked that. That was a cool touch. That's never been done better. Uh, I did really actually like that, and I liked the sound of it, too. Yeah. Uh, I just wish it would have led to something, because what you got was wow. uh, she entered the uh, hotel in a skimpy dress as a brunette, and she exited the hotel in a skimpy dress as a brunette. I mean, there was... Hair. There was yeah. no other thing other than, like, she snapped off her fingernails, which is a cool visual That's and weird audio thing, but has nothing to do with anything. But well, Dingus, you're moving the goalpost now. Yeah, you're right. You're right. lead somewhere. Because yeah, there's nothing in this movie that leads anywhere. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. All right, Kelly, can you think of something that's, that's in this movie that is not done better elsewhere? No. Come on. Really? I mean, it didn't even make me laugh. Much. I don't think it was so humorous, wasn't it? I mean, you think of Three Days to Kill, 
Um, where again, the father daughter relationship and the jokes about yeah. the spy being too old. They're, this for that kind of template, this movie was so freaking humorless. Uh, well, in Costner, that movie was kind of consistent and kind of human, and you kind of felt for him. And I didn't give a fuck about Pierce Brosnan's character. Well, Dingus noted when we when we watched it, and I I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if Costner was an executive producer on Three Days to Kill. But Dingus did note he, he remarked that, that yeah, when when Pierce Brosnan's name shows showed up, but it, it made me wonder. You know, is, is is this kind of like a vanity project for him? Does he does he really want to keep looking sort of like cool and suave? Um, well, he's in the movie more than the kid is, even though they, in the trailers it's set up as a master versus protege, it says. And it, it's so clearly supposed to be this kind of competence porn about what a great spy he is and how he's one step ahead of uh, of everyone else. Not, though. He doesn't know who the traitor is. The kid has to bail him out at the end. He doesn't even do shit. It makes no difference which CIA guy is bad. No, he constantly knows. Like He's constantly avoiding... He, he beats the guy in a, in a hand-to-hand fist fight. Like, that that right there, I, you know, Which once, guy? the younger guy. <laughs> the fist fight was hilarious. The fist fight was ridiculous because they had to get a stuntman in there, and they had to be careful about how they shot it and do slow motion stuff. I mean, I really did get the sense that... that <laughs> Done better, most wanted man's fist fight, but go on. Uh, <laughs> fair enough. I'm backing oh, oh, very nice, Kelly. Well, no. But what Dingus said was, what does it do better that hasn't been done? No, I know, I know. That's not exact. I'm not really meeting the challenge. Uh, I'm accepting your bluff. (laughs) But I really do wonder, like, does Pierce Brosnan really have an image issue where he didn't want, where he wanted a movie that tried to sort of capture this glory day of him being James Bond? That's not necessarily a bad idea. Well, he doesn't do it. It's not a good movie. I don't know that it's a bad, I don't know that it's a good, I don't. I, I didn't. I didn't find him convincing at all. Uh, and it, it, I almost wondered too. It looked to me like they edited out a love scene between him and Olga Kirilenko because yeah, yeah, yeah. it would have been too hell? embarrassing. Like I just think it would have been too unconvincing and embarrassing for whatever reason. I'm, I think they clearly He's shot that. I, I, I think, wanted to ask you guys that. Did, did you? I mean, you yeah, clearly absolutely. went the same way, way that I went. That that when she's like gathering the blankets up around her that. That there's there has to be some sort of yeah yeah I would bet you dollars to donuts they shot something and for whatever reason you know focus groups or whatever they cut it out because it was like creepy or weird or whatever um, but that's what that's again you know this movie's like so earnest and it really wants us to believe that Pierce Brosnan is still super suave and super sexy and super smart and, and just a super dynamic badass spy and, and watching him fuck ruins it it I don't know well, it, it, I mean the main Action thing he seems to do is hang or hang out across the street at some anonymous person's apartment and drink scotch. I mean, yeah. what? Who, whose place is that? And what the fuck is he doing over there? And it just so happens all their suits fit him. I mean, what, what is that for Spike? They never come back. It was so ridiculous too how he had to sit there and listen to Olga Kirilenko play the piano, whereas <laughs> the dude across the street gets to have casual sex with his hot blonde neighbor. <laughs> it's like wow. <laughs> and even that sex was terrible. Good lord! Um, what was wrong with it? Uh, well, let's uh, see. The fact that he had a little. Yeah, the, the fact that, that it had the, this Luke Bra- What was his name? Bracy Gacy? I wrote it down. Sure. Uh, no, Luke, Luke Bracy. Who the heck was that dude? Jesus! Do, do you know what he's going to be next? Oh Jesus! Don't wait. I'm scared. I'm scared by how Dingus is. Uh, sounds like he's in a. Oh god! Rich- X Man. He's going to be the new Wolverine. Oh he's Jesus! I'm going to say two words to you. One's a name and one's a state in the United States. The first word is Johnny. The second word is Utah. 
Oh, Point Break remake. I mean, fine. Yeah, yeah. he's going to be Johnny Utah. What I mean, Patrick Swayze. No, he's Uh, not even Patrick Swayze. He's I'm okay with making a character of Keanu Reeves. I'm okay with that. That that actually, Dingus, I was prepared to be disappointed. I'm totally okay with that. (laughs) Yeah, that could be worse. (laughs) But that is just a phenomenal commentary on what this movie is that the lead dude that we're supposed to accept as some sort of whatever I mean he's not even a Kellen Mutz that we're, we're supposed to yeah. accept him as the remake version of Keanu Reeves which I love Keanu Reeves now I have so much goodwill for him because of Constantine I but not in point break though you. he's a he's a he's a dumb yeah that's when he was this guy break yeah no, no, he's a, he's a, he's a total idiot in that. I, think, I am an FBI agent. I mean, right. sir, sure. And this guy's remaking that guy's work. I mean, that's just so perfect. It sounds, yeah, exactly. It sounds to me like someone has Point Break's number. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so the guy looked to me like, uh, and just so completely flat, he looked like a douchebag version of a young Sean Bean. <laughs> yeah, that's he does. Yeah, that's exactly right. I yeah, thought of that when, when he comes down uh, to go against Hanley, when he jumps over the wall there, I'm like, hey, that's... <laughs> no. And the yeah, dude's you're, you're absolutely you know. right, Tom. That's spot on. <laughs> You go, all right, well, obviously, he's not being set up as the equal of Pierce. This is obviously Pierce Rosberg because this guy is such a dipshit. Like, he's supposed to suck. We're not supposed to root for him, too. And then he winds up saving Pierce Rosberg. Like, that means, in hindsight, we were supposed to like him. What's so- that guy's supposed to be awesome to us. Like, oh, yeah. Is that did- five years later point? You're kind of like, wait, is that him again? Okay, I guess... Yeah. They always jab someone. They try to jab someone down our throat like every year. It's like Sam Worthington, then Taylor Kitsch gets Another two. Fucking from Australia. Why can't, do do we not have enough douchebags in America? Oh, that's right. He's an Aussie. Okay. The old ones aren't making the cut anymore. You got always got to get another one to one fits like Russell Crowe. They're looking for the next Russell Crowe. That's my theory. Oh well, it'll happen sooner or later. We'll find one. We just got to keep trying. Uh, let's see. So, uh, Dingus, you asked me at one point about the woman who, uh, oh, she said her name. Her, her last name is something like Scorsese, Scorsese, whatever, uh, who plays the interrogator, um, right. and the, the handler. You asked me who she reminded me of, and I said, you know, we'll talk about that during the podcast. Um, uh, I don't know if it's what you're thinking, but I actually did like her. Um, were you thinking that she's kind of like a TV actress level Emily Blunt? Uh, no, I didn't. I, it, okay. What I was thinking was totally off the wall. It, it's just based on her looks. Uh, I mean, it, it, she reminded me of Pamela Adlon. Uh, she doesn't have any of uh, Pamela Adlon's <laughs> comic timing or any of her weight or any of her edge or anything. But for whatever reason, uh, uh, she reminded me of Pamela Adlon. Oh, okay. I did like some of the smaller characters. I mean, I did kind of enjoy watching her. I loved that assassin chick, even though they did nothing with her. Oh, my God. What the fuck? Well, it's the payoff. He, Pierce Brosnan never squares off against right, her. Right, right. We get to see her flex. You know, that's pretty she much it. She doesn't die. Does she get arrested? We, get, her, we get to see this weird uh, – and we get to see her stretch out. Right. <laughs> yeah. It, which which reminds me of, like, Die Hard 2 and what's his name? William uh, – Sadler. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. William Sadler uh, stretches out in the hotel room. We get to see her do two things. She stretches one leg and then the other, and that's it. That, by the way, was probably the most exciting action sequence in this movie. 
Yeah, I haven't seen that done in a better better in any other movie. No, I mean I did that. That chick was pretty awesome, and I, I'm disappointed there was no payoff. But no payoff. It comes down to that that right there. That's the best action scene there. I've never wait. Try to think of another movie where you you have a setup like that, and there's no like if they introduce a James Bond villain, but then he never fights them. That's never fucking happened. Like Pierce Brosnan is the executive producer of it. He did even his vanity project. He goes, wait, I got to kill the fucking. What does happen? I can't even no. remember what happens to her. What happens to her? She gets, but she gets beamed with a shovel, and then uh, either other they person. leave. So yeah. Olga, <laughs> Olga Kirilenko smacks her in the head with a shovel, and that's it. Doesn't shoot her, yeah, and just yep. decides not to shoot her, and that's it. Yep, and you're right. Busted. And then does and Chris Price doesn't kill Putin at the end. Well, we don't know, actually. that The ending is very much like the end of 1984, the book, by the way. I don't, I don't think we know who fired the shot. We just know the groundwork was laid with Pierce Brosnan explaining how fast a bullet goes or whatever that stupid scene was. Um, but, yeah. That was, that was a red herring. Like I, I so hate movies. I mean, maybe this is an unrealistic expectation, but the overall plot in this was so stupid convoluted as fuck and just oh, this yeah. idea too that he suddenly has a crisis of conscience about oh a Chechenian war was uh, an, an operation set up by the US to help control the Russian president like, he has a crisis of conscience about that what that's ridiculous and actually yeah. I found myself thinking this is never a good sign when a villain rolls out his plan and I find myself, myself thinking you know it's not a bad idea we should just let this go through <laughs> this guy's going to be elected president of russia considering what the current president of russia is doing right now i think it would be good to have someone over whom we have a lot of leverage yeah. so pierce brosnan kind of screwed things up that that whole plan that should have gone through i think and, and when he's pointing the gun at the guy the guy's like uh and and it's so weird it's like it's hanley and then she's like oh, yeah hanley Oh, the guy with the bl- uh, like. Wait, let me look at this. It's like this weird sort of like parody of a scene where he takes out a picture and like, is this guy? Yeah. No. Wait. Don't you mean this guy? No. No. That guy. Yeah. That guy. Okay. So that's your climax of the villain. Okay. That guy. The bald guy. Yeah. Are you sure it's that guy? And you said it's Hanley or Harley. Hanley? Because what you're okay. reminding me is the scene of, of uh, is the scene of Borat trying to take the wine glass from the guy, <laughs> where he's trying to hold his hand around, and the guy and that that right there is uh, Pierce Brosnan with the Russian trying to point at the photograph. Because <laughs> aren't there people like constantly pointing at the photograph with guns? Like they're using their gun barrel. And there's, a, there's a tight shot of the photograph and the gun pointing at the pictures. Uh, yeah. that, that whole scene is absurd. And it doesn't help that early on when. Before Hanley, uh, you know, Bill Smitrovich, uh, you know, shoots at his computers. Before that, um, when they're like, they're at Hanley's house. It, it's a Hanley's. They're all, all, the guys are at Hanley's. Hanley sounds like a bar. It sounds like they're all like hanging out at a bar. <laughs> they're all at like, Hanley's. The, the two guys are at Hanley's. All right, we're going to go to Hanley's. After work, we're else all at meeting Hanley's? at Hanley's. Yeah, who's meeting at Hanley's after work? Right. Let's go to Hanley's. Happy hour. At Hanley's. It's so crappy. Was anybody God. tricked into thinking that Will Patton and his hair were going to be the actual villains? Because I was. I fell for that for a while. It really mattered. You could actually see, if you in, the, in some of those close-ups, you could actually see the, the that area in the hair. I don't know Tingus, what it's called. Tingus, come on. Where it's like... Right. This is Serbia, though. They have limited resources for hair and makeup and that sort of thing. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I know you're right. 
I did. I did well, let's love leave off things. the fact. I loved seeing him show up because I love No Way Out so much, and I love him. Oh, that's the that. connection. That's right, Dingus. Yeah. That's right. I forgot about that. And also, I love Rod Will Thomas. Patton in in yeah exactly. I love Will Patton in No Way Out. He's so he's so great. He's so creepy and so weird. And there's this weird sort of sexuality and connection between him and and Gene Hackman. And I loved you know, like I did at first like laugh and glee like oh. Of course he would show up, but he's just so terrible. Everything's terrible. Well, let, let's talk about what's happened with uh, Roger Donaldson here, because I, I think we all love the bounty. I haven't seen No Way Out in forever, but I remembered liking it. Um, I, I think Species yeah, is yeah. a good horror movie. Um, what's, what's, what's the last one? Isn't Species good? Mm, that's where you're starting to... Sp- that's part of his downward spiral. But Species is such a dopey genre thing, though. I mean, it depends. Like, yeah, but it's like got Forrest Whitaker going around. He's an empath. And he's like something terrible, terrible happening here. So there's like there's a dumbness quotient that's hard to ignore. But wait, he's British, right? Roger Donaldson is. I'm just assuming from the name. I, I have no idea actually. Because I was going to say the thing that's weird about the movie, and also Pierce Brosnan is, I guess, Irish or something too, is like. He's actually Australian from uh, Sma- oh, Smash, Smash Palace and The Bounty, or I think his first big oh, movies. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, the, yeah very Australian movies. Hmm. Well, I was going to say, that this movie, seeing it right after Most Wanted Man, like the credit I'll give it is it, it does sort of make Most Wanted Man's case, in a way, against America. Because <laughs> it's like, this is what happens when you get the American spies involved. You get car crashes, you get fucking <laughs> wrong people dying, shot nine-year-olds. Like, this is everything that Philip Seymour Hoffman's character in the other movies. Like, God, you Robin Wright, fuck <laughs> <laughs> All right, leave it. Leave it to the Germans. Leave right. it to the British. <laughs> like this is our idea of like how. See, we take out Putin on a boat, and problem solved. Doesn't matter. They don't even explain anything. What do they ever explain? Why uh, uh, Pierce Brosnan as a Brit is supposed yeah. to be a CIA agent? We don't. Get no, that. they. You're right. They never bother. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Because what makes sense, you go, oh, he's obviously the European liaison, so he has, that's his cover. But then he has. He never changes his voice, and he never looks like anyone other than Pierce Brosnan. Well, he's not. He isn't anymore. I mean, he's been retired since two thousand eight. <laughs> nah, Dingus was paying attention yeah, to title yeah. cards because <laughs> he owns he owns a business on the lake. <laughs> oh, that's his business at the end. Yeah, he owns. No, no, it's it's his business after the five years later in Lausanne, it's like in Switzerland. Ocean. He's he owns a he owns a cafe. He, he owns part of the bar. He doesn't work for the CIA anymore. Uh, Bill Smitrovich or whatever Hanley gets him to come back in. But he's a secret agent, but he trains the sniper agent, even though he's not a sniper. And his thing is fist fighting, his thing's knives. <laughs> I hate everything. I've shown my tits in a shipping container, but only because it was Mardi Gras. One, two, three, not only you and me, got one eighty degrees, and I'm caught in between. Counting. One, two, three, beat upon Oh, Tom, you know about that. You're there. Oh, uh, I remember that well. That's when I took a big old red rubber stamp with the word drop, and I put it on your file. <laughs> it's luckily at no effect. As Every you. time the word drop showed up on that, that paper, Tom would start to chuckle. It was awesome. <laughs> they did drop him, and they did... Ch- <sighs> right. Did you just drop him because of the sniper thing? Why am I talking about the movie? Shut up. 
Why? Yeah, Kelly Wand. Because Let's you are impetuous. Things. As they said Just... in the paper, Kelly Wand, you are impetuous. <laughs> <laughs> I want to find something that really was better in that movie. I want to take Dingus's challenge. Because remember I said that about Thor The Dark World, and that one dude's like, no, Portman's... Is hey. there a better cat carried between apartments? I don't think so. Oh, come on. Inside Lewin Davis, Dingus. Oh, ouch, Tom. Yeah, that is great cat carrying amongst apartments sequences in that. It's the Coen brothers, for Pete's sake. This is Pierce Brosnan's uh, Lewin Davis. I want to see Lewin Davis again. I'm, I've, I've come to this theory. See? That it's better than – it's one of those Coen Brothers movies that you have to maybe see two or three times before I, you really appreciate it. See, I got it this right away. Okay. This is what always happens. Wasn't there some other thing where I kind of made you like it? It might have been McGruber. Mm, you were anti-McGruber, Tom. No, I was no, – no, Tom saw. was on board with you. Was he? McGruber. Yeah, he was, he yeah. was on board with you from the beginning. But I, I, I go to bat with Tom uh, for Tom on that, yeah. But I do want to see Inside Lewin Davis again because I find myself thinking about that and scenes in that and all the awesome stuff with the cat and with Carrie Mulligan and certainly Oscar Isaacs and that song for F. Murray Abraham. I, I need to see Inside Lewin Davis again. And it has a great message. That it does, Kelly Wong. That it does. How often do I say that? Uh, you normally I don't think like messages. Uh, you I think you it also this idea of not well I don't want to give away the end but. Your, your beef with characters being redeemed. Uh, That's not redemption. Uh, That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Is that oh, it, I see. It, it lives up to, to right. one of your requirements there. Although November Man did too. He's not very redeemed at the end, is he? Of course he is. Yeah. What's he learned? What's, he gets together with his family. Yeah, kidding? he's got a family. Uh, he, gets uh, to take he doesn't even have to teach her how to dance or ride a bike. All it took was the deaths of millions <laughs> to make him remember. Uh, let's do a three-by-three three about paperwork. Oh, Boy, yeah. was, it was a tough one, I was thought. Was it tough? Well, okay, so we saw A Most Wanted Man last week, and one of the really cool scenes in A Most Wanted Man, and it just speaks volumes to how how Anton Corbin and Philip Seymour Hoffman and John le Carré can, can wring action from the simple act of a man signing a piece of paper. You know, the tension of, of waiting for that. Three ring action. Um, <laughs> and, and we also saw in, in the movie The Rover, there's a amazing you, sequence... Dickens. There's an amazing sequence where uh, an actor named Anthony Hayes, who's an Australian fellow, he was also in Animal Kingdom, he's filling out paperwork while having a conversation with Guy Pierce. Um, mm-hmm. And just the way he divides his attention between the paperwork and the way he's kind of doing it, just as busy work for an actor. So what I wanted from you guys and the listeners are uh, examples of characters doing paperwork uh, that, that, that you like. Um, and since Dingus is starting our, he'll be introducing next week's 3x3, three three, he's going to start us off with his number three pick. Dingus, right. Here's my number three pick for paperwork. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love this paperwork, uh, both because of paperwork and, and, and you had said paperwork or signatures. Right, like uh, signing papers or, yes, because specifically that's the thing in Most Wanted Man is the guy has to sign a bunch of pages. Um, right. But in the rover, he's just doing paperwork. Presumably his signature is part of the paperwork. But not necessarily in the rover. So exactly, exactly. And and so I was thinking about like different weird signatures. And this this has one of my favorite. Uh, this has the, that sort of one of the things I love about this topic is is sort of the implication about bureaucracy, but also like weird signatures. And so uh, my number three has this quote to it: uh, "Getting the aliens to sign the A twenty seven forms." Um, and so that is somebody instructing everybody what they have to do when they're evicting the aliens in District 9. And before they can evict the aliens in District 9, 
Because uh, one of the things about District 9 is they have to get all of the aliens out of this horrible slum into this weird little tent village uh, area that they have to get them. But in order to solve the uh, legal issues of doing that, and what they're saying is that this is government land, and we just have to get the aliens to admit that this is government land, that their houses are on government land, and what we're doing is a legal eviction. They have to get each and every alien in their little shacks in District 9 to sign these forms, these A27 forms. And so Wickes is carrying these A27 forms, and I'm you know, presuming a lot of people are doing this, but he's sort of the head of the spear, or the tip of the spear on this. He's carrying these forms forward. And, um, and there's one moment in particular, and I, and I kind, of, kind of grab the screen grab of this, where, uh, where an alien, where uh, one of the prawns just smacks down the, the clipboard that he's holding up so that they will sign the A27 eviction form. And, um, and what uh, Wickes does is says, see, he put a scrawl on it that counts as a signature. <laughs> um, so it's it's that whole like that machinery of government. We're we're evicting this whole these one like a million people, a million aliens, a million prawns. They're evicting them, but they have to all of them. Each one who owns a house or is living in a house has to sign it. And as long as they smack it, that's fine. You put a scroll on it. Now we can evict them. So that 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 weird governmental paperwork signature thing in District 9. And Kelly Wand, what do you have to top that? <sighs> That's a good one. I don't think I did this topic right. Because I think paperwork for, kind of freaks me out a little bit in RL and in the movies. Like, it's text that's designed to not be looked at, so something in me rankles at it. Is that why this was a hard 3 by 3 for you? I'm making excuses for how bad my list is, basically. <laughs> Um, but I don't even know if this, this qualifies as paperwork. But I notice when, when there's something gets disallowed, there's no enfor- there's no like penalty. Like this just goes up anyway as one of the three. So um, my number three is uh, at the end of Book of Eli, <laughs> when Denzel Washington is wounded by a bullet, but he has to dictate the Bible to another dude. And I was just thinking about that guy, like, afterwards. Like, it's still the first thing I think of when I think of that movie is we never really learned about that character, but, like, the guy who's transcribing it has to listen, has to, like, he has to keep, like, while the other guy is just talking, he has to, like, write out the whole Bible, like, for eight years. It seems like the worst thing, the worst fate to have. And it's like, you're never safe from bureaucracy even after an apocalypse because there's always that one dude. That's my number three. Before the age of podcasts, I would every now and then do like an interview over the phone or whatever, uh, or even writing articles sometimes. I, I hated having to write transcripts of interviews I did. So, Kelly Wan, I, I can sympathize with that poor fellow. I didn't even like sending in invoices, and it was me getting paid, and it, like, but it was still like five minutes. Oh, God, I got to fucking fill out the amount, and my fuck, I got to sign it. Like, that was even annoying to me. So, how pathetic am I compared to what mm. you just said? Mm. Did you ever have to hate that part? Uh, I don't. Nobody likes paperwork, Kelly Wand. That, that's what makes it paperwork. That's why it's called paperwork. But don't accountants and those dudes like it? Like they just gravitate to it, and that's why they went into that field. I don't understand the mind of an accountant. I don't either. There should be a movie about that. 
but they must love it, I'm thinking. Kelly Wan, my number three pick is a movie that you would appreciate. Uh, paper is involved. Work is involved. Uh, it's someone filling out a form, and you only see a very brief sequence of it. And he's actually – what I love about this movie is it's a period piece now because it's such an old movie. That's the cool thing, actually, about being our age is that old movies are period pieces, yeah. but they weren't back then. Right. So in Jaws, when Brody is filling out the crime report and he types in shark attack under cause of death for Chrissy Watkins' little death report that he's filling out, uh, I just love watching Brody do that. And at that point in Jaws, by the way, it's going to be a very short movie because there has been a shark attack. They're going to close the beaches and the shark is going to go away. And that's going to be the end of it. There will have only been one casualty and it would have been a kind of boring movie. Uh, but fortunately, it's Fourth of July weekend, and the, the mayor comes along, and all that stuff happens. Um, but I love watching uh, uh, Roy Scheider just pecking away at a typewriter and typing "shark space attack" with that ancient technology. Well, isn't it also too like the fact that he writes that is why all the, the mayor and all that happens? It's like because he typed those words, they get they try and make him retype them. Well, I think yeah, yeah, but I think it's also he's trying to close the beaches, and he has um, Polly do the lettering, uh, and Hendrix is like, "What's wrong with my lettering?" He he has her make up signs, and he goes to the see that's paperwork too. Scott, you just made me think of one of my runners up, Tom, and I wonder. Uh, oh, uh, never mind. Okay, well, yeah, right. Make a note. We'll, we'll get to those shortly. Right. Tom, they're karate chopping all the mailboxes. No, the picket fences. What's the matter with you? Oh my God, you are so bad at Jaws, Kelly Wanda. I was thinking of the mailboxes from Close Encounters. Sorry. Karate chopping the mail. Boxes. The karate chopping the picket fence. Oh. The aliens karate chop the mailboxes. What does Brody knock over in the scene where Paint he. Brushes. Okay, very good, Kelly Wan. You've redeemed yourself. Next. I'm, I'm proud of you. I'm no Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> Dingus, what is your number two pick for favorite paperwork in a movie? Uh, all right, my number two. Here is a quote from it. If you get the forms, I'll prepare them for you, nearly free of charge. I'd only ask for three beers apiece for my coworkers. It almost sounds like something from uh, Armageddon. That's the thing about paperwork lines is they could be from anything unless – oh, you don't remember the A43 line from Jaws the Revenge? Uh, this is a movie that uh, I am I feel guilty about liking because it's easy to hate on it. Um, but I watched it again today, um, and there's a lot in it that's pretty schmaltzy and terrible. Uh, but there's a lot in it that I still kind of like. Uh, but it, it's a, a lot of it. There's a lot more about paperwork than I remember. I just was remembering a part that doesn't even really exist in the movie. Um, there are other parts in the movie that are really about paperwork. So this is the movie The Shawshank Redemption. Redemption. Not The Shawshank Redemption. So The Shawshank Redemption. So what, um, what Tim Robbins' character is doing for most of these guards is paperwork. Uh, and there's this whole extended like sequence in the middle where he's doing tax returns for and Tom when you said to Kelly about how much and uh, do you just do you hate doing paperwork uh, I just all I could think about was this was watching this again this week um, he's got like all of the guards from not only the other prison but the another prison that they are playing baseball against and all of those dudes have changed their baseball season in order to hang out and get their tax returns done and so andy dufresne is doing all of this paperwork for all of these guys but it starts 
with the promise of paperwork. So my favorite moment of paperwork in this movie is, isn't even like filling out something. It's the promise of that. And that's the moment on the roof with Clancy Brown, when Clancy Brown's about to throw, when Clancy Brown is complaining about the fact that his brother died and left him $35,000. And he's going to lose most of it because of the fucking IRS. And, uh, and Andy Dufresne leaves the, the, the crew that he's working with on the roof where they're, you know, spreading tar on the roof. And he says, do you trust your wife? And Clancy Brown's like, what? why are you talking to me? <laughs> and he's like, do, do you think she'd go behind your back? And he's about to throw him off the roof, and, and he gives him this this advice. That if she gives you a one-time gift, the IRS can't touch it. And if you get me the forms, I'll fill them out. All I'm asking you to do is get three beers for each of my friends. <laughs> and he doesn't even want them for himself. Uh, it's just something for the future. And then he ends up doing, because he's, he's a guy who worked for a bank, and he ends up doing all of the books for the, the uh, all of the, the, the dudes who work there, all of the guards. He ends up doing all this stuff for the uh, the warden. Uh, you you mentioned a Bible earlier, which, of course, figures prominently because of where he hides his uh, rock hammer. Um, but, but just that moment where he promises, I will do this paperwork for you because I know you won't do it and you can't do it. Just get me the forms and I'll do all of it for you. And that idea, that promise of somebody else doing the paperwork, I, I hate paperwork, so I hate doing that so much. So that idea, just some guy, some deus ex machina coming in going, get me the forms and I'll do it all for you. So as much as everybody talks about uh, Shawshank as being a terrible movie, um, really? uh, there's, yeah, a lot of people really hate it, but there's, huh. there's, I think there's enough in it to recommend it. And, and God, I could just listen to Morgan Freeman talk forever, even if he's talking schmaltzy sort of uh, uh, voiceover stuff. I don't huh. think I knew that people hated it either. Yeah, I didn't either. It's a well-regarded novella and movie, I thought. It's from the director of The Mist. Yeah. Yeah, very good, Tom. Yeah. Uh, I've heard plenty of people say, like, in the same way they talk about Forrest Gump, that Shawshank is the... Uh, no, that's... Forrest Gump blows, but Shawshank's good. Isn't it? It's a prison movie. Prison movies are usually oh, hard to fuck up. Well, I can't abide. You know, prison movies are so so much so tedious. But no, there's, there's a lot in this that's great. And I mean, but it is. There's a lot of it that's, that's really schmaltzy. I mean, a lot of Morgan Freeman's like, you know, Andy didn't know that this was going to happen. I mean, there's a there's a lot of sort of like Morgan Freeman sound like Eeyore kind of. Um, but I mean, I still really loved watching Shawshank again. Uh, there's a prison movie out called uh, Starred Up, which what? I think it, it gets a little <laughs> schmaltzy, but I think Star? so. The idea is that when you have an infraction uh, in the penal system, this is in a British prison, you, you get a star. So uh, inmates who are particularly a problem are called Starred Up. Um, uh-huh. So uh, the lead actor in this is a guy named Jack O'Connell, who we really like from a movie called The Liability. Um, he was also in 300, Rise of an Empire. Uh, but he plays a guy who uh, you, you meet him early on. He's getting thrown in prison, and he has no problem with just completely wreaking havoc with the guards. Um, but something happens, and he early on in the movie uh, meet comes into contact with another prisoner played by Ben Mendelsohn. And Ben Mendelsohn crosses the courtyard to him, where he's standing, and tells him to do something. And you think, "Uh uh-oh, there's going to be a fight. But Jack O'Connell absolutely does it, with with no hesitation. Um, And the movie is about why he did that. 
you know, like, wait a minute, what's going on that this guy could come over and tell him to do something? This guy who's like a complete reprobate who won't take any orders or won't take any guff from the guards. Why is he kowtowing to this fella? Um, so anyway, there's, uh, you know, I, I'm not crazy about it, but some two really, really good performances from a couple of actors we really like. But yeah, for the most part, I'm with Dingus. Oh, God, prison movies are so tedious. No, I think here's my theory. Yeah. I think most of them are just bummers and they're kind of depressing because they, you know, they're set in the prison, so they're not going to escape for most of the movie. But Shawshank Redemption, and I remember thinking this about the story when I read, like the reason the thing that drew me about it was it was kind of a, it winds up, it has, it says sort of an upbeat finish. So it's like the one upbeat prison movie out of all of them. Well, I think a lot of them have upbeat finishes. It's just that mm. all that, like, we're going to whittle this, and we're going to, like, here's a soap gun, and hey, I hit something in my mattress. I mean, it's just the same. <laughs> that movie's a Right. Well, yeah, but okay, that's, okay. So most of them, they're, it's, they're either, it's either about the drudgery of prison life, in which Tom, which sort of supports Tom's anti-prison movie stance, but then, or it's about an escape, so you know it's not going to happen until the end of the movie, so it's sort of predictable. But with... Shawshank Redemption was kind of it wound up being like he had a plan that he you didn't know he had and it sort of leaves you feeling like doesn't it all wind up like it's a bag of money under the rock day of six mark kind of can, that's yeah. good right how do you feel about movies that just have a prison movie set inside them like Tango and Cash or just a, it's like a it's, <laughs> it's like just a, a set piece and yeah so, it's like a mini prison movie inside the movie uh it's a case by case I think <laughs> Because you don't know if the whole movie is going to take place in prison after that. It's going to be Tango and Cash. You have to break out of prison for an hour. Right. But in theory, you, I guess it would be harder. Don't they also – they're going to get assassinated in the laundry room too, right? But they somehow get out of that. Don't right. they get tortured? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. They get they get dipped in electrical water. And then they res- respond to that by escaping. Going, escaping by electrical water. Oh, that's true. <laughs> wow. Kelly wants. Wow. There's well, always a lot of, like, raping. We're going to be raping, and who knows what's raping is going on. Then they use sheets. Uh, They're using raping to escape the electric water. Watchmen has a prison movie in it. Well, oh. A very kick-ass prison movie, I think. I like the hey. prison movie in Watchmen. Yeah. Uh, All right, yeah, I'm with Tom on that. Okay, now I, 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 yeah. I'm totally flipping. Good. Yeah, if you, if, you, if you throw Jackie Earl Haley in prison, I'll watch. I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah. let's go. Kelly Wan, let's go to your number two pick for uh, paperwork. You know? uh, I fucked this topic up. I just want to hear what you guys said now. But I'll just get mine over with. But for my number two, because I, I know what Dingus wanted. He wanted, like, bureaucratic f- files and shit. But my number two is misery. <laughs> because. You're talking about writing novels. <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing. And that's this is what Tom's topic. Is. This isn't what I wanted. This is Tom's topic. Yeah, but it's like. Paperwork's text that you don't want to do, and so who wants to do what he's doing less with faulty equipment like an old manual typewriter, like Tom's talking about, than, uh, than Paul Schmold in misery? You know, uh, that's actually not bad because he has he's being forced to write a book he doesn't want to write. Right. To him, it's total paperwork. He's just, yeah. oh, I got it. Okay. it it's, Kelly Wand, it's work, and he's doing it on pieces of paper. So you accept you're not going to flash your badge at me? I'm just trying to make you feel better. Did it work? Really? <laughs> he's going to ask for your, your license and registration and proof of insurance, but I think he's going to let you go. I'm really holding out for your number one, Kelly Wand. We'll see. Yeah. He also stuffs it all in her mouth, which seems like paperwork because it's burning, so he has to hurt himself to do it. So that's paperwork. My number two pick, Kelly Wand. <laughs> Uh, I'm just going to give you guys a brief quote. It's a little uh, snippet of text. This is the narrator 
of this movie. Uh, and she's speaking while we see things happening in the movie. And she says to us, she's speaking directly to the audience, by the way. And she's a completely omniscient narrator. Uh, and it's part of what makes this movie work for me. She says to us, the audience, you can't help yourselves. You see someone smelling a pillow or an old T-shirt, and you're a basket case. But I could have showed you the other stuff he did besides mooning around. He paid some bills. Does that make your heart break? Ah, His right. boyfriend or whatever leaves him, and he pays the cable bill. Do you, do you really know what this is, Kelly? Yeah, I do. I wouldn't, sex. I wouldn't think you like this movie. Why would you know that? Are you kidding? Are you- uh, it's got a lot of good lines in it. It's got great lines in it. Lush in it. What is it? I don't know what it is. What is so, it? So uh, a fellow named Don Ruse, who has, uh, I guess, started doing she had a life once. Stuff. She didn't feed it, and it wandered off. And the ship went. Uh, he did a movie called The Opposite of Sex with Christina oh. Ricci um, and Martin Donovan. She she basically is this weird, omniscient uh, narrator who can. Uh, yeah, yeah, she's unreliable. Uh, she can flash forward and backwards. She shows you things and then says, remember this, it's going to be important. It's very, very meta. Um, and uh, one of the things that, that happens is uh, Martin Donovan plays a, a gay school teacher who is in a relationship with a younger man. And Christina Ricci arrives, and she's, uh, she's this completely amoral character, and she breaks them up. She causes them to, to break up by seducing the younger man. And then she talks about how pathetic it is. You know, she's worried that the audience now, that us, she's talking to us, are not going to like her. And we're instead going to like Martin Donovan because he's been through a breakup and he's all sad. And she says, look, here's how it can normally be. And she plays sad music and we see him very sadly, wistfully smelling the pillow where his lover used to lie. Uh, And she's like, but you know what? That's not all he did. He also just did his paperwork and he ate like a pig and he put on weight and then she shows us scenes of him in the kitchen eating and a scene of him paying the cable bill just sitting there writing a check just doing paperwork um and and the idea is you know what he just this is this was no big deal for him he's going on with life Uh, even though he's heartbroken and terrible things have happened he's just a normal guy so quit sympathizing with him so much um but yeah i love this movie and you know what i love about this movie kelly wand uh, we make not we well me uh, and Dingus sometimes <laughs> uh, make fun of people as being TV actors a lot of time. You know this sort of level of like of uh, charisma or skill or whatever, where we make we dismiss someone as a TV actor. There's a TV actor in this movie who I forget. She is so good. Lisa Kudrow. Lisa Kudrow is so good. Oh, in the she's opposite awesome. Of sex. Yeah. yeah. And I'd forgotten about that. I it's mean, very I, unglamorous part, too. I mean, she's supposed to be a dowdy, and I think she's supposed to be playing someone older than she is. Well, they, they yeah, they definitely frump her up, and she doesn't look glamorous, and they, they stick her opposite Lyle Lovett, who's horrible in this movie. Uh, that guy can't read a line naturally to save his mm-hmm. life. Um, but she's so good Speaking in Speaking of Eraserhead. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you remember how, how, relieved, how relieved we felt when she showed up in Neighbors? Yeah, well, yeah, oh, absolutely, yeah. Well, and that's the thing, is I was thinking, well, why do I like her so much? Because I'd never seen, I don't watch Friends, but I think it must have been this. This movie's uh, 10 years old. Um, She's just, she's so good in this. And, you know, whether she's being funny or being serious or having a heartfelt scene with Lyle Lovett, who's giving her absolutely nothing, um, or her great scenes with Martin Donovan. And, God, I love Martin Donovan, too. He's so... Like, like their style, he's, he's such a, this kind of dry fellow, and, and her, she's very shrewish in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, What's the movie called again? Because I don't remember it. 
Maybe you haven't really? seen it. It's called The Opposite of Sex. Oh, The Opposite of Sex. Yeah, I have yeah. seen it. I just don't remember a thing about it. Damn it. No. I saw the theater with lesbians. Well, well, go on. And? Well, maybe that's where I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, Dingus would like it. It's pretty emo. I know I've seen it before. I just don't remember it. The thing is, it's not emo, Kelly. It's, it's mostly it's subversive. Sweet. No, and I like Martin tweet. Donovan. I love Lisa Kudrow. I mean, I don't. I don't remember Don. I don't, it violates Don my redemption. No, it doesn't, because she's sitting there saying, "If you want to see a movie where a character, she even opens with." Do you remember the? End? I do, and she makes the. She ends the movie before she tells the list. She tells the watcher. She's like, "Get out of here." She actually speaks to the camera rather than just voiceover. She she makes mm-hmm. the movie end before she can have that moment. Oh, so it's yeah, like the. Voice- the non-redemptive uh, version of Ferris Bueller. Well, she, she actually says, if you want the kind of movie where the character is redeemed at the end, this is not that movie. Ah. And she is correct. Well, geez, I Ferris Bueller is not redeemed, though. Cameron's sort of redeemed. Does Ferris Bueller predict that? Does he tell you at the beginning that's not going to happen? No, he doesn't give a fuck what you think. Yeah, he's not that self-aware. Second day off from us. And so I, I apologize because I've been sort of like caught up in you talking about the, the movie itself. Um, and I don't remember any of it. What's the actual paperwork? I, I, I apologize. It's, uh, it's Martin uh, Donovan uh, paying bills. Paying, that's a weird uh, Specifically paying the cable bill. Oh, uh, all right, all right, all right. And it's just about how at these times of like heartbreak, when terrible things happen, you know, you still have to do paperwork. You're still sitting there. Paying a bill, though. Bill. You know, that's that's a really good one. That's really good because See, that, that's something that you can – yeah. That's See, fun. Kelly Wand, I think I said mine was really good. And you yeah. were trying to shoot it down. Well, it just no, seems it, it, it sucks opening a cable bill when you feel like your life is falling down around you. I mean, it's just it but seems like open, you're like, all right, fucking. No, no, it, but if you want to, it just seems like this is just so. I don't know. This is dumb, but I uh, was going to cancel my cable recently mm-hmm. and just go with internet, mm-hmm. but then I left. She's like, "Oh, well, you're only paying eighteen dollars or more if you just keep." If you just keep your bill too, so I'm like, all right, I'll try it for a month. And I've been watching tons of cable, and it's like if your cable's on, I'll watch movies that I wouldn't otherwise have just rented. So it's kind of like someone just bringing clothes to your house. So I took what I was gonna cancel, and I I made lemonade out of it because I wouldn't have seen Midnight in Paris on my own unless it was just on. So I agree with Martin Donovan. No matter how bummed out you are, it's always room. Right. Dingus, what's your favorite uh, example of paperwork in a movie? All right, I love this. This is uh jeez. I love this movie so much. Um uh, I kind of avoided I you know I no, I didn't avoid. I was actually looking and one of my runners up is this. I was looking for these types of examples of paperwork because it's such a cliche. But this is my favorite of these cliched uh these these cliched versions of paperwork. Here's a, here's a quote from it. This is the lifeblood of our organization, paperwork. The way red corpuscles carry oxygen through the body, paperwork carries information through the department. It almost sounds like something from Brazil. It does, but it's not Brazil. It's actually the movie End of Watch. And this is this moment. Oh, yeah. Dingus, Ted Gummit, that's a great one. Dead gummit. <laughs> Where Jake Gyllenhaal is is talking to his camera. They're there after they've they've gotten Liberace's AK forty seven. 
Vegas wins. <laughs> they brought him into the <laughs> office, and he's telling he's telling the camera because he's making his little movie about why we do paperwork. And I love that moment so much. And seeing that again this week, uh, I saw it today actually, and it just made me laugh my head off because the way he plays that. And again, you know, this guy. Jake Gyllenhaal, I mean, I think hopefully when we get down a few years down the road, we're just going to appreciate this guy for how great he is. Because, uh, you know, he's got one of my, you know, one of our, I think, favorite performances of this year in in the movie we did already called Enemy. Uh, And watching him do that scene where he's just talking to the camera and saying, this is the lifeblood. And then... (laughs) He's got is it Michael uh, is it Michael Pena uh, saying you know what is what's a corpuscle um, <laughs> just watching him go this is the lifeblood of the department I love that so much and I was looking for cause, because it's a cliche to look at uh, police officers as oh we have to do so much paperwork and, but I love that paperwork at the after they catch the Liberace AK forty seven guy nice one Dingus Kelly one did you ever see End of Watch or you don't watch movies with prepositions in them. I don't see movies uh, that have time limits in the title. <laughs> well, then, Kelly Wand, what's your number one favorite example of paperwork in a movie? My number one favorite example of paperwork in a movie is um, in Idiocracy at the beginning when he's like demoted to work in the library. <laughs> huh, okay. I, I don't remember that scene, but so far I like it better than your other two picks. See, because he's the uh, when life's in your way, you gotta step aside. Or uh... what I like about it is that it reminds me of Shawshank because all of that is library stuff. He orders all these books from ah. the library. He's constantly sending. He says, uh, "He says I'm going to send a, a letter a week until we get more books for the library." And and then when he does finally get. After six years, they they send stuff back to him. He's like, okay, then I'm going to send two letters a week so we get more books for the library. So Kelly just reminded me of that part of Shawshank. Well, it makes me think, and I I don't like this. I don't remember liking this movie, although I think I'm ready to maybe see it again at some point. Uh, I was never a fan of Office Space, and that's also my Mm -hmm. judge. But I wonder if there's any good paperwork references. Yeah, TPS. Yeah, there's got to be. Yeah. Well, Kelly, are you sure you don't want to put in Office Space instead of maybe Misery or Book of Eli? Way well, yeah, office space. Oops, sorry, you can't change your answers. Oh, yep. my number one favorite example of paperwork, which actually inspired this topic. Super obscure movie. I doubt you guys have even heard of these. Hey, 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 hey. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Only Kelly, Tom. Kelly, one. I'm about to tell you about a movie that you, of all people, would really like. Right. One of these days, it's going to be like five years from now. You're going to have seen this movie, and you're going to say, "Dad, government, how come you never told me to see this?" And I'll be, Kelly, five years ago, we did the topic on paperwork. I told you to see it. Uh, and you'll be well, like, like you'll, you'll wish that I had stressed harder, that you should see a weird, obscure, dark movie. I think these guys shoot in Texas. They're two brothers named uh, David and Nathan Zellner. Uh, and they did a movie called Goliath. And, and Goliath, the title character, is a cat. Um, and the movie begins with this fella's cat going missing, and he's making posters, like, you know, have you seen my missing cat? And the cat's name is Goliath. Um, but the movie is instead about the rest of his life falling apart, uh, and it's a very dark, very weird, very oddly paced black comedy, um, and one of my favorite scenes in it, and what made me think of this topic, and... 
is a scene where one of the things that's falling apart for him is his marriage. And there is this excruciatingly long scene where he is sitting at a table, shoulder to shoulder with his wife, soon to be ex-wife, and they are going through paperwork that their lawyers are handing across the table to them and signing it. Um, and it, it's it's a long, uncut scene of just two people sitting there, basically signing away a piece of their lives that at, at one point in their lives was probably the most important thing to them, and it's them signing this paperwork. And they're both so ill at ease, and she obviously doesn't like him. He, I think, doesn't want the divorce. Um, and it's all subtext. There's no dialogue. It's just this guy, David Zellner. He's the director and the actor in the movie uh, signing this paperwork. Um, See, when you say, oh, you you should see this movie, you'll love it, I try to zone out because I know I'm going to want to see it, so I try not to listen to you. Uh, you should see Goliath for where it goes. And also, and hear what you said. We all love cats. So. Oh, yeah, but I worry, the movies don't. They're always getting fucked over in movies. Uh, Smokey never got fucked over. Tom vouch for that. I was worried something was going to happen to Smokey, but no, Smokey yeah. was the cat from November Man. Yeah. And Smokey... The- Okay. I thought he was a double agent, like the monkey and Raiders, but he wasn't. Well, I thought Sarah was going to turn out to be something. Right. Yeah, because you guys saw Captain America. Because you guys from watching Captain America Winter Soldier. Yeah, damn straight. Wait, and everything else is ripped off, so why not? The hot neighbor is always a double agent. Right, so her function's supposed to be to have sex with and then get her leg cut. Now you're spoiling the movie for people yeah. who maybe haven't seen it yet. You're not going to see it. <laughs> My problem with Goliath, I never watched Goliath, um, but I, I for, I, I think it, because it, when did, the, did Goliath come out in 2008? It's pretty, um, that's about right, yeah. Because I, I, I guess because they both begin with a G, uh, I just, I constantly thought of uh, you recommending uh, Goliath and me wanting to watch Gigantic, and oh. I I watch Gigantic instead of Goliath. And every time you mention Goliath, I'm like, I've already seen it. It's Paul Dano's movie, Gigantic. No, no, it's Goliath. And I just never watched Goliath because I just have this weird sort of like I watched Gigantic that year. I got Gigantic and Super mixed up in my head, and then I wound up watching. Kelly, want to check this out? Maybe this will make you want to see the movie more. Uh, Dingus Goliath is not for you. Oh, damn it. That you don't mean you're wrong. What was the last thing I said? Where you don't you think Dingus shouldn't see it after Martyrs? Wait, hey, he he thinks I should not see Ron Cops. Yeah, Ron Cops. <laughs> He's crazy, Dingus. I believe in you. I think you're ready for Ron Cops. I Thanks, really really do. Uh, Dingus, would you read for us the listener submissions? I don't have that uh, handy. Could you uh, let us know what listeners have written in for paperwork picks? I would be happy. This is Tom's paperwork topic, and our first listener submission is Paul Weimer. Hi, guys. I had to fill out a MX-07 form and a Schedule 221B adjunct form in order to get this 3x3 to you, but I hope they will suit. Number three, in Dave... Chief of Staff Bob Alexander, Frank Langella. Uh, I love them. She mentions that movie a lot, I've noticed. Well, I mentioned Dave before, and I love that. I love that sort of like we're walking, we're walking, hey, uh, there's Chief Bob uh, Alexander. Uh, how nice for you. So, anyway, back to Paul's uh, words. Um, Gleefully signs a bill in the name of real slash false president that cuts the funding to the homeless shelter that Dave just visited. <laughs> I was looking for things that were like. That were like presidential signatures, but I can It's like Doctor Strange Love Without a Missile. <laughs> I think most movies are. Um, number two of Paul. Uh, in Stranger Than Fiction, Oddity and Baker oh. Anna. 
played by Maggie Gyllenhaal, uh, gives Iris Auditor and novel character Harold, Will Ferrell, all of her receipts and paperwork in a gigantic messy box to go through. We later learn, once he has gone through them, that she is actually neat and organized and did it just to be cruel. Uh, number one, in Brazil, a swatted fly landing on a page being typewritten leads to a fateful spelling error on an arrest warrant. The mistaken identity arising from this subsequently sets the plot in the movie in motion. Being set in a government bureaucracy, there's plenty more paperwork in the movie, but it is that mistake at the beginning, thanks to that fly, that makes the movie possible. Best regards, Paul Weimer. I was thinking of that one, but then I thought, it seems weird that they would even need the fly, since their system is supposed to be mostly really dumb. There's a lot of paperwork in that movie. That's yeah, the better paper. I mean, that, I mean, that's a fine one. But I like the the receipt for the uh, when the government takes you away. You yeah. your family gets yeah. a receipt for you. <laughs> yeah, that is awesome. I love that. that uh, so sad. All right, so now we have John Thomas Mason. Uh, number three, when Sully, perpetual employee of the month at Monsters Inc., is saddled with doing paperwork for the first time in his storied career. He is given rushed instructions as to which colored sheets of the carbon copy forms go to whom and to leave the puce. Later, we see him alone, flipping through the sheets, trying to suss out his task when he stops and says to himself, Oh, so that's puce. This always tickled me because, for one thing, I have filled up many of these forms and ended every second of it, but also because puce has always been a mystery to me. What is uh, puce, by the way? Yeah, I don't know either. It's supposed to be the most unpleasant color. Unpleasant name. It's a terrible name for a color. Yeah, why'd they pick on it? The most unpleasant color is the sequel to Blue is the Warmest Color. Uh, John Thomas Mason, number two. Uh, although we don't see much of him putting pencil to paper, Bob Parr, a.k.a. Mr. Incredible. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's uh, a good one. Uh, yeah, that's thanks. a good one. Thanks, uh, JTM. Uh, Mr. Incredible does listlessly tap at a computer presumably transcribing paperwork to, digi- to digital forms, and he secretly tells a bedraggled elderly lady what form to fill out in order to get her heretofore obfuscated claim on her insurance. Such moments are the closest he comes to heroics in a gray world of confining cubicles and superficial superiors. Wait, Dingus, who sent this email? This is John Thomas Mason. And what was the name of the douchebag young Sean Beanish looking character in the movie we saw in November Man? That would be Luke uh, Basie. Yeah, the, char- the character's name. It was Mason. Oh, Mason. Yeah. <laughs> Devereaux versus Mason. Is he now writing into our three by three? Could he this might be, be. Yeah. Is this uh, emailer, is he mildly attractive and mysterious? I think he is both of those things, but I don't think he has a little scar on the edge of his eye, and we're not going out to a club with him later tonight. All right. Okay. Just wondering. <laughs> The night is young. All right, what is uh, Mr. Mason's uh, number one pick? Number one for Mr. John Thomas Mason is powerful foley work and crisp editing make paperwork as exciting as a kung fu sequence when by-the-number super cop Nicholas Angel books underage drinkers in hot fuzz. I don't know what any of that means because I can't remember the thing about hot fuzz other than I thought it was... Way too long. I'm it was sorry. one of those sequences where they, it's like when they shoot up heroin in Requiem for a Dream, like quick cuts um, oh. of of little things, and it, yeah, and it was it was showing his his zest at, at arresting people for minor infractions. Oh. I seem to recall. I remember when Mason Adams read HBO mailbox letters. 
I don't know what you need that is, Kelly Wand. Okay. So, uh, uh, John C. Thomas Mason says, thanks, guys. You're welcome, John. So, next we have Grant Stewart. Ah. Uh, another... How can I resist contributing again after the name the above title billing I got by way of apology last week? You're welcome, Grant. Uh, yeah. Number three, the born identity. I reckon everyone is going to go for Joe Pesci stabbing the guy with a pen in casino. <laughs> for paperwork? Yes, so that's pen work, but not. so I've extrapolated slightly to the scene where Jason Bourne returns home to Paris for the first time to be contra- confronted with a heavily armed guy swinging through the window, searching around for a weapon. He grabs a pen and stabs it between the assassin's knuckles as he throws a punch. That's not paperwork either. <laughs> I was going to say, Corp Three Cop is going to come swinging in through the window in full tactical gear. <laughs> It's called the skin, the paper of the body, I guess. Uh, his number two is great, though. And I didn't even think of this. This is good. So Grant Stewart has number two, Fargo. William H. Macy having forged uh, that's a good one. documents. Yeah, Fargo against the value of the cars at the lot where he works. Has lots of questions to answer and does an amazing job of playing someone who thinks they are smart enough to talk their way out of having done something, several things, in fact. They're actually mesmerizingly stupid. I do love the way on that paperwork... He is, like, fudging the letters in order to... Yeah. It's like the snow. Hmm. And, uh, Grant Stewart's number one... <laughs> drive. <Just> that for <laughs> Grant's number one is Drive. The simplicity uh, of cook negotiating with driver. This much for Blanche, this much for <laughs> asshole, minus what he owes me, and this much for you. Revealing the words, fuck off, scrawled on his hand. Not on paper, but a contract nonetheless. Cheers, dudes. Tom, can I get some antivirus software from you? Yes, <laughs> I'm recording. Right. I'm a little concerned about a worm I might have. And also the computer thing I was talking about. Just... Next, we have Arthur Jovangeli. Uh, number, uh, while pondering this 3 by 3 I recalled a few good scenes that featured characters opting not to sign a document. However, as I cannot afford another 3 by 3 ticket, I will omit these. Number uh. three, Valkyrie. <laughs> the conspirators get Hitler to sign the document that makes Operation Valkyrie part of the army's procedures. I'm really not crazy about this movie, but the scene wasn't bad, especially the line, one cannot understand national socialism if one does not understand Valkyrie. Have would, either of you seen Valkyrie? I started to watch it right after um, Sharknado 2 with the stoned chick a couple weeks ago, and then I went, I can't watch this after like five seconds. So he switched to Hall and Catch Fire, which he didn't watch. Uh, I have seen, that's the Brian Singer thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've seen Some it, presents. and it, yeah, it didn't really register much for me. I think he came out right before Inglorious Bastards, and you're like, oh wait, Inglorious Bastards is the one with the, with the good ending. I think it was just a scary Tom Cruise vanity project that did, that everybody kind of was like, eh, let's pretend that didn't happen. And I love Tom oh. Cruise. So. Oh, also, Arthur's, number, Arthur's number two, end of watch. Thank you, Arthur. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and Michael Pena complete some paperwork related to one of their busts. I love how Gyllenhaal describes the paperwork as the lifeblood of the department. Um, with corpuscles, I, I would add. He and Pena's interactions with their captain are priceless, particularly when they try to get them laugh at their Liberace's AK joke. The great part of the end of that scene, this is me talking, not uh, Arthur, sorry, Arthur, is uh, is how Michael's like, 
why are you so nervous? And, uh, and Jake, Jake says, um, uh, you know, every man wants to be him and every woman wants him. Um, and, and Michael Penny's like, but you seem to like really want him. <laughs> Jake, yeah, I, I'd, I'd go down on him if he asked. <laughs> Michael Penny, as his partner's like, um, uh, I can't tell when you're joking. I need to tell when you're joking. <laughs> Is he being funny? I can't tell. That's what the daughter says to Rob Williams and RV. Too soon? No. no uh, well, wait. Uh, end of Watch. God, if you haven't watched End of Watch, watch it. God, it's it gives you so much. Is the whole movie or just the last part? Oh, all of it. All of End of Watch. It. It, it ended up uh, on my list that year. God, it's so great. Uh, yeah, so thank you, Arthur, for including that. And his number one is Her. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix meets Rooney Mara at a restaurant to finalize their divorce, a process that involves Mara signing a few documents. The whole scene is really hard to watch in the best possible way. The moment when the document is signed is actually quite brief and not dressed up by some big music cue, but it is still vital to the action and hits like a truck. Uh, Very good. Thank you, Arthur. Uh, Kelly, did you ever end up seeing her? No, I haven't seen it yet. I want to. Kelly. It's going to be on, what? I know everybody says. Every person I know is hassling me separately to see it. Right. I'll see it by next week. All right. Let's do it. All right. Kelly, what do you think of this? Uh, Dingus was talking about her today, and he confused Amy Adams and Amy Ryan. Do you think that that's an understandable mistake or an unconscionable mistake? <laughs> I'm stunned. Yeah. Even even from Dingus, that seems like a lot. Yeah, I was really, really disappointed in, in him. What? That's so... There's such different types. It's really like he's comparing four-leaf clover and a fucking snowflake. All right, well, which one was in Green Zone, Tom? Amy Ryan. Right. Please, I can do this all night. Give me another one, Dingus. Uh, win-win. Amy Ryan. All right, you win. Fine. Jeez. 21 Jump Street. <laughs> Amy Ryan's not in 21 Jump Street. Oh, I was thinking of Brie Larson. I get them mixed up. (laughs) Thanks for getting me off the hook, Wand. All right, next we have Jaime Cabrera. Greetings all. Just one this week. Number one, you know, for kids, Hudsucker Proxy. (laughs) Wait, what's Uh, the paperwork? I don't know. This is our second Tim Robbins. Uh, Hudsucker Proxy. In the scene where they're putting the... Jesus, really? Uh, In the scene where they're putting the, quote, dingus, unquote... Through R&D, there are shots of a giant room with accountants that have signs over their heads that read, quote, how much will this cost, unquote. When the lead accountant finally presents his findings in a gigantic volume and turns the page of the final price, it reads cost equals 59 cents. Suggested retail price, 79 cents. When the man reading this frowns, the lead accountant looks around despairingly and then reaches down and adds a leading one, making the price $1.79. This gets a favorable re- favorable reaction. Doesn't it go up to ten or twenty? Or am I thinking of TVs in Avalon? I don't have any. I don't remember a thing about Hudsucker other than other than not liking it. And <sighs> you didn't like Hudsucker Proxy? Come on, we turned. No, about I didn't like this? it at all. I, I liked the the moment where they're they're coming up with names for the thing, and somebody like from behind a scrim goes, "The Daddy O." And I liked what uh, Jennifer Jason Lee was trying to do with her, like, his Girl Friday thing. Yeah. Remember when she slaps Bruce Campbell and he goes, what gives? Like that. That's good. Come on. Stop hating good things. Both of you. Tom, 
I would like that if it was in an Evil Dead movie. Wait, you don't like Hudsucker either? No. God, you guys are fucking weird. So, so Jaime, you have just one this week, and then you have one, two, three, four, five runners-up. I'm not reading your (laughs) runners-up. Especially since the number one, no paper was involved. Yeah, so choose <laughs> choose three things, and then I'll read your runners up. Don't give us a number one and then five runners up. Wow, look at Dingus going all three by three, cop. Uh, I'm gonna wait. Just that. the titles he did, or he explained everything. No, no, he he gives a little one line. I'm not going to read all of those. Give us three things, Jaime. You're better than this. Oh, Dingus is bad cop this week. I can be good. See, I've always but... done that, and I always felt weird about it because I, I, I don't feel weird about it. He he chooses Shawshank, so he's he's with me on that. But he chooses a bunch of others. I'm not going to read all those. Choose three things, Jaime. Come on, Jaime. I'd really, I'd really, really like to read your picks, but my boss won't let me. I, my partner, I mean, he won't let me. So I've got this form if I'm gonna. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Come on, join us. All right. So number uh, then the next one, Shaheen Ali. Um. Have we had Shaheen Ali? That sounds new. Uh, my three picks for paperwork in movies. Born Ultimatum. How do you get valuable paperwork for Blackbriar from Noah Vosen? If you are Jason Bourne, you pwn him by using his voice. The, the scene where Noah Vosen sees his downfall is punctuated by a fax machine sending the incriminating Blackbriar files to the authorities. I don't think I saw that one. That's the one you guys told me not to see. It's the third one, right? Yeah. You can skip that one. Uh, I don't don't remember it. I'm sure it's a cool moment. I I just was disappointed by Ultimatum, other than that weird, like, garage garage scene where, like, like, an Audi gets thrown off of a cliff or something. I saw a part where he makes a can of crazy foam into a bomb for a trash can. I think you're thinking of MacGruber. Ooh, I like this one. Oh, Shaheen, I like this. Uh, it makes me think of some. I don't. I don't know if you're talking about. Okay, let me just read what he says. Uh, Take your Taylor Soldier spy. Uh, a spy mm, movie set one. in the 1970s is rife with paper everywhere. I especially like when the British spy masters, the circus, gather together to read paperwork, and they casually flip through the paperwork as they pass judgment on the state of the Cold War and on each other. I think the thing, and this is me talking, I think the thing I love about it is that weird paperwork elevator. I love that thing. thing is, you're yeah. not allowed to love things in Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy because you didn't like the movie enough. I know. I didn't get it. I didn't understand it. But that little, that paperwork elevator, I love that thing. What a cool yeah. elevator thing. And that movie is all about paperwork. Why do yeah, you guys think of that? Well, the book just like that, too. And I did think of, I don't know. Ah, Tinker yes. Tailor's a great pick. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. That's what uh, it all – it was all paperwork back in the day. There's another period piece for you. Yeah. And Sorry. so then uh, Shaheen Ali's uh, final pick is um, Terry Gilliam's Brazil. Uh, minor Ministry of Information bureaucrat has distraught Miss Buttle a receipt for her husband. Um, ah, there you go. Sure. Uh, said husband has just been arrested after a violent forced entry by a team of heavily armed and armored police officers. So Shaheen Ali uh, – Agrees with me and Tom uh, about the receipt. Wait, I didn't disagree. Yeah, you did. Oh. Uh, love the podcast. Keep up the great work. Uh, we will endeavor to, Shaheen. Thank you so much. And finally, uh, Ladnar Savad, um, a.k.a. Randroid. Paperwork? Ah! I'm still thinking of great examples of 24-hour films I didn't mention last week. Uh, Night of the Comic, Crank 2, High Voltage. But here we go anyway. I'm sure. <laughs> what? What's the second one? 
Crank High Voltage? Crank 2 High Voltage. I'm sure one or two or three of you mentioned Brazil's Department of Records. And probably someone will bring up office space in the dreaded TPS report. Perhaps I can find a treasure trove of paperwork in film that have yet to be mentioned on the podcast, or at least try. First thing for the 3x3 cop, what is paperwork? Does it have to be on paper, or can it also be electronically filed? I would think the distinction is one of time and puts the topic in an era where computers are not used for filing paperwork. Regardless of the answer, the law gives us this entry from my favorite movie of all time. 1995's Hackers! In the scene where Zero Cool is piecing together the information Ultra Laser got from the Big Iron, we get a montage of paperwork piles, pizza, close-ups of Johnny Lee Miller, and some kick-ass 90s CGI of information and files, while some mellow techno plays in the background. Then we learn about The Worm. I could name at least two other scenes with paperwork in this film, but I will spare you all. P.S. This was a difficult topic. Hex the Planet! Ladnar, a.k.a. Randroid. He did not really write. That's his favorite movie of all time. That's what he did. I read everything word for word. I tried to also... He did a lot of all caps. I tried to all caps in my Good work, Dingus. No, I got that. I could definitely hear that. It's weird he went, oh, here's what... He totally defines paperwork. It's like, oh, before the internet, obviously. And then he... His choice is internet. But there's shots of paperwork, though. Yeah, that's true. But still. Uh, runners up from you guys. <laughs> All right. One of my favorite runners up is, uh, and this is what uh, your, what, how you described the moment in Jaws, Tom. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and this is another Morgan Freeman moment in the movie Seven when he's in his office, like, pecking away at that typewriter oh, yeah, yeah. with his fingers when Arlie Ermey comes to talk to him about what Mills is doing and the guy is scraping at the window and he's just like pecking at those keys. Peck, yeah. peck, peck. I love that. Uh, there's famous a famous paperwork shot. It's a very close-up shot of the policeman writing with a pencil on a form. Uh, the I'll be back sequence in Terminator. Uh, where uh, yeah, comes yeah, yeah. And, looks, and then there's a really close camera and puts in a really close shot of the guy writing That's with a pencil and then, the, and then the light comes up on it of the headlights and he looks up and Arnie drives into the police station to start shooting oh, that's a uh, great one because I can hear the pencil on the paper yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was trying to think of like historical paperwork stuff and Name of the Rose has some awesome stuff and certainly the sequence where uh, Gandalf is researching the, the ring you know there's a scene where he's in, like in a library going through pages or whatever but the one i thought of and this is kind of cheating because it's from tv um there was one there was a sequence most of the scenes in game of thrones where two people are talking to each other they're like drinking and pouring wine or whatever but i remember one sequence where charles dance as Tyrion lannister is writing and then yeah. shaking dust over the page and then blowing it and rolling it up and he does the little red wax seal uh, but Charles Dance doing like business, like it's it's every bit as efficient and kind of ruthless as him skinning the deer in the first season. Uh, but I was trying to think of a movie equivalent to that, and just couldn't come up with anything as cool as Charles Dance using ink on parchment and dusting it off and using a wax seal. Yeah, to him it's all a deer. Exactly, the world is a deer. Kelly want to get it? Because see, a stag is the. Uh, What's the other house? Uh, the, what's, what's John Bean's family's name? Stark. Stark. Stark oh. emblem is a stag. Yeah. See? Get it? What name the stag house? What name? This, was that a question? You just said words. <laughs> I don't understand. What name the stag house? Did Kelly Wan just have a stroke? <laughs> what was that? 
Well, the sag that he's cutting represents another house. So. Dark, isn't it? I thought no. Are you serious? Oh, God, you're dumb. <laughs> I think I am. Wow, I thought. Wait, they're not a sag? Of, no, they're wolves. That's why they have wolves. Shoot, I think. <laughs> no, their, their sigil is a, is a, sta- a stag and wolf. No. Shoot, who's the stag wolf. then? You didn't play the board game. That's why you're fucking this up. I did, but I don't remember who the stag is. Who's the stag? Who? Baratheon. Oh, no, that makes sense just as well. Fine. Never mind. Freeze. Uh, here's another runner-up, although I mentioned this movie last week. Uh, there, there's, uh, if you like Tom Hardy enough, there are great scenes in Locke of him looking up phone numbers in a binder. <laughs> uh, that sounds good. <laughs> And I'm not even joking. You guys are laughing. I'm totally not even joking. Watching Tom Hardy look through a binder to get phone numbers, I seriously find that riveting stuff. And I, I'm not at all being facetious. Hey, I, I, I'm with you. I would okay. be happy to do, to watch that. Kelly Wan, do you remember a movie that Tom Hardy was in directed by Guy Ritchie? Oh, I couldn't believe this. Um, Clem Fandango? Oh, thank you for saying that, though. Uh, do, you, do you remember that Tom Hardy was in Rock and Rolla? I didn't see that one. <gasps> Jesus, what? It sounded like it was about music, so I didn't see uh, it. No, I rewatched that this week. God, I love really? it. So good. Man, I love that movie. All right, that'll be my next. And it's so sad that, you know, it's supposed to be part of like a trilogy he was going to do, and I guess it just didn't do well enough. Yeah, I'm so pissed about that because I remember watching it and I'm being like, whoa, what? And getting so excited about the idea of, oh, this is he's setting the table. Let's go. So many good actors and roles, and he just does that Guy Ritchie thing of just keeping everything electric and going to so many yeah. different places, and 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 certainly more so than I remember in Snatch or Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Just the way the the, the payoff that you get at the end of Rock and Rolla just seemed super gratifying and appropriate, and it just really it felt like it came together way better than I remember Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels or snatch coming together. See, I got rock and roll mixed up with that animated movie Cockadoodle about the chickens. Yeah, That's I don't know. It sounds like some Ardman <laughs> kind of Yeah, movie. seriously. <laughs> rock and roll just has so much life to it that I, you know, I it, you know, I liked Snatch just fine. I didn't like Lockstock that much, I don't think. Um, but but rock and roll just knocked me knocked my socks off when I saw it because it just has so much life. It just crackles. Yeah. And you and and then you get to the end and and you get the sense of, oh, this is part of, uh, yeah, bring it on, bring this trilogy on, do it, and then nothing ever happened. That's really sad. It kind of works though, even as, as a standalone. I mean, oh, just yeah, yeah, yeah. When yeah. you see like which characters sort of become the main characters, which you don't right. realize as you're watching it. Like, right. I'm totally okay with that as the payoff, even if they don't go on and make more movies with them. Um, right. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I'm definitely with you on that. Yeah, but, but, I, but like you know, Tom Hardy being in it, and and Idris Elba, and Gerard Butler, and and Toby Kebbell, and Tom Wilkinson, Carol Rodan, Dandy Newton, like everybody is so good in that movie. And Gerard Butler is so funny. He really is. He's it's, so fucking funny. It is the in that perfect movie. Gerard Butler role. Yeah, yeah. it's just yeah, so yeah, appropriate yeah. for him. I have only I have only one other crap. I have. After that, I was so excited. Well, real quick, just to bring it, just uh, the, yeah. I guess the reason I meant to bring that up, there's a paperwork thing where they literally oh, talk right. about paperwork, and and paperwork becomes the big reveal at the end of Rock and Rolla, is a piece of paperwork is oh. produced, and the background for the paperwork we see over like flashbacks, um, and then the implications of that paperwork are the resolution of the movie. Oh yeah, so like a signature, like a signature. Yeah. 
I, I cut you off. So Dingus, that you thought of uh, another one. There, there's one other uh, runner-up of paperwork that, that's from the movie Big. Uh, he's feeling like he's like I think he's at you know it's when he's the older dude, um, older version of himself, and he's with his friend and he's like filling out like job application, and the guy who's in HR is like sitting there clicking a pen and says, you know what what school did you go to? Meaning what what college? And um and Tom Hanks, who's just a kid, tells what elementary school it goes to. He, he's like, I, I went to George Washington, and I goes, oh, GW, and he just writes GW down on the paper. What do you have to top that? Yeah. Uh, does quills count? <laughs> the movie or the utensils? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we got a while ago, um, I kept meaning to read this because it was just such a nice little comment. Um, someone sent us a, a $10 donation, a fellow named Roy Jones, um, every, uh, sent in uh, $10 and he wrote with it. Because when you get a PayPal donation, you can put something in a little text field. Roy Jones wrote something that I kept meaning to read and kept forgetting and rather than just let it go unread – uh, he wrote, this donation is for the anticipation I now feel after seeing a trailer like the one for Into the Storm. Your guys' podcast gives me everything fun about watching bad films, but without any of the associated pain and boredom. It's a genuine pleasure to hang out every week with three guys who I respect and admire. I await the Into the storm with bated breath. If I were to ever meet you three... Manly handshakes would certainly ensue. Oh, <laughs> oh nice. So, yeah, thank you, Roy. I mean, the $10 is awfully nice, but especially nice was, were those comments. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, I feel beloved, but it also makes me feel like I can't dick around anymore on the opposite. Kelly Wan, that's why people show up for you to dick around. Yeah. yeah, but when it was just you guys, I didn't. it was kind of more relaxing, and now that's too much pressure. Is it like paperwork, Kelly Wand? Oh. <laughs> Dingus, what is our 3x3 three three next week? Everything is. All right, next week's 3x3 three three is your three favorite um, film scenes or moments involving shaving. Hmm. Now, the fact that we haven't done this, I'm a little taken aback by. I mean, you're right, because I already know that. That's, so I have a little file that says 3x3 three three notes, and one of them is shaving scenes. So, Dingus, I'm basically, I've done my work. My paperwork right. for this 3x3. Three so three, he stole your list. You it's over. It. He might have. He might have hacked into my computer. Well, I think we all my have computer quote broke one to. we're going to choose, but but I love I, I I love the I love shaving. I love the whole aspect of it and I really like it in movies. And there's something we saw oh, I know exactly what we saw where uh where I really, really loved the shaving scene in a movie and we just saw it. Um and I'll go ahead and burn it if you want me to. Yeah, what was it? So that would be in A Most Wanted Man. There's a great shaving scene in what? that. Uh, it's when... Oh, oh uh, right, right. That guy shaved. Right. I was thinking, yeah. when does Philip Seymour Hoffman shave in A Most no. Wanted Man? <laughs> <laughs> no, and I don't remember... Uh, sadly, I don't remember the character name, but I remember seeing him in... Issa. Isn't weird... his name like Issa or Issa? Yeah, yeah. For, yeah, yeah, very good, Tom. Yeah, yeah. Issa. And he and it, like clips off, and, he, and there's this weird sort of like part of his beard that he just leaves there on the sink, like a merkin or something. Um, Dingus, that's not what... <sighs> a merkin. Yeah, I know. That's <laughs> totally inappropriate. But when we saw Most Wanted Man, I just thought of, I thought of those shaving scenes and how much I love the, the, the sort of sensual feeling of shaving. So right. 
All right. So uh, if you have some shaving scenes, and I've, you know, I've even got one that you jokers haven't seen. So uh-huh. those are always satisfying to hear about. <laughs> uh, send in your picks to three by three at quarter to three dot com. That's the number three, the letter X, the number three at sign, and then you have to spell out quarter to three dot com. Don't stick any numerals in there. We would love to read your picks on the air. Uh, next week we are going to see. Um, I think, well, I want to call it a little movie, but it's got uh, uh, quite the cast. We're going to see a movie called Life of Crime Hmm. that is, I think it's kind of the idea is it's a a prequel to Jackie Brown in that it's from an Elmore Leonard novel that predates and includes some of the same characters as Jackie Brown. But whatever the case, that's what we're seeing next week instead of that thing where Idris Elba breaks into Taraji P. Henson's house. Oh my! Thing is called. Uh, we're not going to. Uh, mm-hmm. Good neighbor. What is that called? I forget what that's called. It's uh, fine. Uh, so uh, see Life of Crime and uh, send us your picks and join us as we mention our picks and read listener picks for our favorite shaving scenes. Just the tip of the whole. Are you talking about shaving? What do you? Yeah. Mean? What do you mean? Do oh, you... In movies and movies. Okay. Yeah. Got it. All right. Right. Uh, yeah, so uh, join us for that. I am Tom Chick. I have been joined by Christian Matroski. It's Christian Morosky. And Kelly Wand. And Valkyrie disguises the bomb as paperwork, so yes. This sounds like one of those shows you didn't like. I thought. I would have thought, Tom. What, Get Smart? Yeah. So like, <laughs> oh my god, no, as a dumb kid, I loved this. Are you kidding yeah, me? Yeah, it was the best show. When I was a dumb kid, it was the best fucking show. You know what else I loved? I loved Hogan's Heroes. What? Yeah, That's seriously. Wrong. Hello? Yeah. No, that didn't have shit. I still loved it. It had secret bases under prison camps. Yeah. My favorite episode of Hogan's Heroes is called Autofocus. <laughs> That's when the elevator goes down, huh, Dingus? You bring out the best in me. Who says that?